Do you like having posters and supporting your favorite athletes? Well, the Athletic Collection gives you a chance to do that with the best posters in the game. They have many different teams with many different sports. Myself, as an LSU fan, I just got myself LSU baseball, LSU gymnastics, and LSU soccer posters to put up in the man cave. So get your posters today at the Athletic Collection, which you can find on Instagram and Twitter. You've always been a marked man, but now that you have the belt, you might as well paint a bullseye on your forehead. About to grace us with their presence, Rocky Mayavia. I was the best damn intercontinental champion there was. Steve Austin, come hell or high water, I'm going to be wearing my intercontinental title. If you've got enough manhood to accept my challenge, then your bottom line will read, has been, compliments of the rock. I got a couple of challenges for you. I challenge you to get you a decent haircut. Since you're a piece of crap, I challenge you to flush yourself down a commode. You're damn right, you got your shot, but you don't suck because these people say you suck. You suck because Stone Cold said so, and that's about enough. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's Wednesday night, and you know what time it is. It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers, the mother mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Dowers, Guys, tonight's episode 10 titled Sideline to Sideline because we got former LSU Tiger, former Indianapolis Colt and Atlanta Falcon Jalen Collins joining us tonight. It's going to be a good one. We get to talk college football, Jim, your team, LSU, but we also get to talk Randy's team, the Colts. We'll throw the Falcons in there just for good measure, but guys, let's get right to it. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week, LSU football star. Colts football star, Atlanta Falcons football star, Jalen Collins. Jalen, my man, it is an honor to have you. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. Appreciate y'all having me on. Man, absolutely. It is literally our pleasure, man. Listen, let's just start off with a couple icebreakers, Jalen. We saw a tweet asking about game systems. If you had to okay. pick only one game system, which one are you picking? If I had to pick one game system, damn, uh, PlayStation 5. Same. Yeah. I get some heat, though. I got a 17-year-old. He tells me Xbox the only way to go, but I, I don't no. – I mean, I don't dig it. He's, he's he's misguided. He's misguided. He is. I, I blame his mama. But anyway, that's the story for another day. So, look, if you're a, a – you also do this. You co-host a – or host, however you want to say, The Raw mm-hmm. Room, another podcast. Everybody Absolutely. should check it out. I was checking it out today. On some windshield time. If you could have any guest on the raw room, who would it be? Any guest. Ooh, that's tough. Cause we do got a we do got a list with like some of our tops. Um yeah, it's so it's so many good ones. I think like uh one of our top ones that we wanted um was like Mike Tyson. Uh we wanted to get Tyson on for sure. That would be uh, raw. This probably this probably is like a, a, a new addition, but DI, I want to get him on there. No, we would love that. Uh, dang man, we always uh, you know, in the sports, but trying to do different stuff. Um, it would it would be kind of cool to have you know like an actor or somebody like that on there. You know, some some big actor. You know who you should get because I've been watching the new season of Godfather of Harlem. Man, you ought to get Forrest Whitaker. I Forrest mean, Whitaker, okay. You ever, you seen you seen Godfather of Harlem? Uh, I haven't seen it. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna check it. What's it on? What's it on? 
It's uh, Hulu. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, I'm gonna have to check it out. Gangster Bumpy Johnson. Force Whitaker still doing his thing, man. He old now, ain't he? I'm, I'm sure he's still out there holding it down. Yeah, he still looks the same, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but <laughs> Jalen, celebrity crush, crush growing up, who is? Oh damn, celebrity crush growing up. Uh, shit, Alicia Keys. Yeah. Um, Sierra. That was back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Uh, damn. Uh, or no, probably like Megan Good. Oh, yes. That one's right there. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Beautiful. Yeah, Megan Good. He said what? Yeah, we've had that answer. Megan Good a few times. I actually think it was me who said Megan Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. I'm dead. I mean, look, you can't, can't deny it, man. It is what it is. No, not at all, man. So, last question before I hand you over to DB. Favorite athlete of all time? Favorite athlete? Oh, that's an easy one. Uh, Vic, man. Yeah, watching him. Cheat code. Manhattan, bro, cheat code. And then just being in Atlanta for a little bit and, uh, you know, seeing him around the city and at the games and stuff, bro. Really cool guy, man, for real, for real. Yeah, as, a, as a Saints fan, man, giving me nightmares. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's the reason – He's the reason they started giving grades on Madden. Yeah. One player. No, yeah, because because he <laughs> he was broken in that Madden, bro. It was like 2013 or 12 or something like that. He was broken in those. That in the college football, everybody picked Virginia Tech just to get him. You oh, yeah. they didn't know a single other player on that team, but you just took Vic. Exactly. Bill can't name another player on those that team. <laughs> 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 you know, Vic was Vic's the truth, man. Yeah. So, Jalen, let's let's talk about you growing up, man. When you were a okay. young, tell, tell us a little bit about where you're from. Um, so I grew up uh, here in Mississippi, but I'm actually uh, I was actually born in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, my my dad uh, lives out there, and um, a bunch of his family's from from St. Louis, or not. I'm sorry, not from Nashville, but we used to always like go through St. Louis and stuff like that traveling. But um, just growing up in Kansas City, we was out there for probably till I was about five. Then I moved out here. I remember, I remember it kind of a little bit. I go, I used to go back every summer, but uh, shoot, going, moved out here when I was five. My grandma owned a Harley Davidson store in Horn Lake. Oh, so, okay. Uh, okay. So that's why we, that's why we moved out here. And uh, run around DeSoto County, South Haven. Um, was at DeSoto Central for a really long time. But before I ended up there, I was uh, I went to SBC for a little bit. I think it was like a semester and a half or something like that. So before we what? before we get too far along, yeah, yeah, my man. You got I, you I got, you got three siblings, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dev, uh, oh, you got brother and sister. Brother. I got two other brothers and younger brother. Man, y'all fighting? I know y'all are. Oh yeah, you know, it was it was it was hectic in there for sure. Four boys in the house. How how'd you did you hold your own? Was you was you delivering the whoopers or well so it wasn't it wasn't so much as like like fighting, I guess maybe more so me and my me and my younger brother because we're actually close. My uh two older brothers, ten years older than me and then five. So it was a little bit of gap. They did kind of uh, they did kind of pick on us a little bit, but me, me and my, me and my little brother, we definitely did uh, butt heads. I wouldn't say we fought a whole lot, 
but we was definitely at each other's throats for real, for real. I'm I'm sure the the competitiveness was 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 heated. I mean, obviously, oh, all, all the time, all the time. Any anything, anything that I did, he had to do, like any sport, any anything we order, we go out to eat. He's ordering the same thing at McDonald's. It's just like he, I guess he wanted to be like me. You know what I'm saying? Of course. Of course, you getting a Big Mac, he getting a Big Mac, man. I'm trying to tell you. So, obviously, you know, you, you have this competitive, you know, nature already built in just because you, you're around brothers all day and, and boys are going to be boys. But at what point did you start playing sports and at what age did you start, you know, playing football? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think sports was around the time we moved to um, South Haven off Getwell. Um, of course, as kids, you know, you're always running around doing stuff. Um, but I wouldn't say I really started playing sports until I, uh, I got over there. I moved to Deer Trace. Um, and it was, you know, just at the time, it wasn't a whole lot of people there. But um, as, like, kids moved in, we were all just end up, you know, you're playing basketball in the street, uh, playing baseball in the empty lot, uh, football in my backyard. Like anytime, anything that we could do outside, um, that's that's really what we started doing. But uh, sports then it started for me then, and then uh, I guess organized ball. I didn't start playing until I was, oh, I guess like middle school when they start. What's was this like sixth, seventh grade or something like that? Yeah. Hey Daniel, I gotta intervene for a second. Hey Randy, you remember that time I had you help me move, and you were pretty pissed off about it? It was hot as hell. It was deer. <laughs> I moved into deer chase when you helped me move. Right yeah. where he's talking about. We lived in the same hood. Uh, All world, man. So right. you, you mentioned, you know, DeSoto Central. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming you started your high school career at DeSoto Central, right? Yes, yes. Uh, I went there from, I want to say probably like third grade up until 11th grade. Dang, so you was you was a vet there. You 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 packed Not it. Yet. My, uh, my older brother... Uh, Brandon was in the first graduating class from DeSoto Central in 06. So we was there when this when the it was only one building. I wasn't and, even aware it hadn't been around that long. I didn't know it didn't open until 06. Yeah, no, it's it's well, it opened. Well, I guess uh, it opened to Ocho. I get what you're saying, but yeah. Yeah, my brother was in uh eighth grade when it when it uh when it opened. So or something like that. He was probably, yeah, he could have You got a lot of, you know, obviously you garner a lot of attention for football, but back in the day, man, you could run track a little bit. You could do them hurdles. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's crazy because I didn't even, I only ran track for two years. Uh, I get, I guess you could say really only two years. Uh, my old, my older brother, Brandon, graduated in the first class. He was the reason I got into track. Um, I mean, of course, as a kid, you run around playing sports and everybody wants to be the fastest kid. So we always racing, whatever. But um, just as as I was growing up, uh, I was probably his senior Um, We was just going around and he was on the track team. We ran the 300 hurdles. I think he did like the long jump, triple jump. Um, and so just like going to and having to sit at the track meets and uh, Tupelo and you know all the all the cities around here like you can't really do anything if you're a young kid you can't go running off so you gotta just watch you gotta watch the track you gotta sit there with your moms 
So just like watching the races and stuff, and I kind of got a um, watching him run the hurdles. I kind of got a knack for it, and uh, I guess I went out eighth grade. But let's be let's be honest. You sat there and you watched some fools, and you was like, "I'm better than that right now." Bro, I was, so let me I, let I, me get I, out there and do it. I was like, "That don't look hard." I go out to the track team, and they have us like you know eighth grade. They have the guys out there to see what we can do. And I won the hurdles. He's like, it was, I was like, damn, y'all can't do this? What's going on? And you you say that, but like, I feel like the hurdles have to be the hard, one of the hardest events that you can do. Like, what oh, absolutely. Is like you, you probably made it look effortlessly, but like, it's so fast and the timing and the jump and like, no, catching yeah. yourself in stride, man, like. Well, Daniel, if you remember the first time we had a hurdler on here, they taught us, like, I kept saying jumping hurdles, and they're like, you don't no, jump, you run. Running. You're running over the hurdle. You're not jumping. Yeah, no, it's uh, – hurdles Hurdles is definitely hard. Like, I didn't I didn't realize it when I first started watching my brother. I was like, oh, I could do that, and I was good in eighth grade. But then when I got to uh, my junior year – or, yeah, junior year um, – that's when I really got into it. And I started, uh, I watched some videos on YouTube um, and just tried to like get the steps down and see like, you know, what some of the faster times were because I knew I was one of the better kids in the whole county. And I had really was self-taught. Like I was like, shit, I watched my brother do it. So you just do this and do this. And then once I started studying it, you know, the, few steps and then three steps in between you should be going over with the same leg you're really like trying to touch your toe when you go over the over, you know it's just a whole bunch of a whole bunch of different stuff that I didn't really know but I picked up on it and uh, I actually ended up getting second in state that year and it was crazy because I was the only junior in the race who beat you uh I can't, I, I can't remember it was I think it was like a black Black and gold. I don't remember the kid's name. I think the colors was like black and like gold or something like that. That means he ain't losing like sleep it. about it, Randy. He ain't worried about it. Yeah, ain't worried I, about I, black I, and look, gold. I, look, see, the crazy thing is I lost. I was the only junior in the race, and I hit every hurdle until the last one. So I was like, I mean, I only lost by a little bit. If I didn't touch any of these hurdles, I would have smoked these kids. I literally hit every single one. I was pissed. I think that's what is – is the hardest thing about it is that you have to be perfect. Like oh, in yeah. track in general, you have to be perfect. But in an event like hurdles, like there's yeah. no room for error. None at all. I mean, if you, I've had a few races where, you know, I hit one or two and I'm like, oh shit, this kid's about to catch me. Like he might beat me like real close finish type. So like to hit every single, like every one, bro, that was, that was probably my worst race all year. And I got second. Let's let's fast forward a little bit. So you, you spend three years at DeSoto Central, and then you go, mm -hmm. you know what? I got to switch it up. I'm going to yeah. go to Olive Branch. So, like, okay. what was the reason for the for the switch? You just okay. – you, you right. done everything you needed to do at D.C., and you just okay, so, said, I, I got to move. I got to no, go. So, well, so, like, you know, you start playing football, and the dream, of course, is to make it to the highest level. Um, as a kid, you don't really – you don't really have like a, a game. Well, back then, I'll say now it's, it's probably a little different. But back then, it was just like, oh, I just got a dream. I'm going to go out here and play, see what happens. Um, but once I got um, to the end of my junior year at D.C., 
um, that spring, I went to a few junior days um, with my buddy Josh Gaston. He actually let me ride down there to LSU to the junior day. Uh, I've been to one at Mississippi State, I think Ole Miss. Um, but I went down there, and the coaches were, like, talking to me. The DB coach was like, you know, he was like, damn, we got to get you to the camp. You know what I'm saying? You Like, you look good. Like, I may never – whatever. I was like, I mean, look, I like football. He said, LSU, uh, it sounds like a good school. Let me pull up, see what happens. And so they they got me back to the um, they got me back to the camps that summer, but um, I guess what happened um, in in the middle of you know me going to the camps and then switching schools um, that off season or that spring and summer, um, DC had a coach change. There, Coach Purnell was a coach there for a really long time. Football program wasn't great by by any means, but like it was like a. We had we had a little family, a little unit, like we had something we were going, and they changed coaches um, at the end of the season. They got rid of Coach Pennell, and then they brought in um, Coach Wallace. And Coach Wallace came from Center Hill, and Center Hill was one of the newer schools, uh, and we used to mop the floor with them, and we sucked, respectfully. We sucked. And we used to mop floor respectfully. Them, respectfully. Like, we used to go over there, play spring games and all that stuff, because they weren't in our conference. We used to go beat them by, like, 30, and, and, and we sucked, for real. And so he came over, and um, I had already started doing that, the, you know, junior day LSU stuff. Let's be real. Over. You you weren't trying to suck your senior year. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. You, you weren't trying to. I was not trying to suck, but he came in. I was like, all right, let me give it a chance. We lost the spring game to Center Hill by two points. It was 14-12. I'll never forget. I was like, bro, this is the worst football team I have ever played on, and I've only played on shooting football teams. So when did, when did the rule change? Because, Daniel, when we were in high school, you couldn't just transfer in district season to season. I, re I remember that. Bro, that was well. 28. 20 years ago. That's why I said, when did it? When did it? Don't act like Jalen's a, a, a little bit older, too. Jalen ain't some young cat. No, yeah, that's what I said. I, I do remember when it was like a – it was like a, a issue, um, you know, switching schools and switching uh, in, inside the county because I know a lot of people before would go – instead of going in county, they would just go across the state line to, like, some school in Memphis or something like that. So uh, I think it was probably a, a, a little bit before before I was, um, you know, a senior in high school. But, yeah, the, we lost that spring game. I was like, no, nah, I got I to gotta get out of here. You should have transferred your sophomore year and joined K.J. Wright over there at OB. That's what I'm saying. And, you know, the crazy part is my uh, my sophomore year, we played we played Olive Branch at home. And I, and I was playing in that game. Was he just everything that he, you know, you would expect him to be and he became? <laughs> At the time, I didn't even know. I just knew Olive Branch had all these people and they was going to whoop our ass every time we got on the field. <laughs> I knew that for a fact because we just didn't. Like, we had some 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 good athletes, but we didn't have the coaching. You know, we was, we was just having fun for real, for real. Olive uh, Branch was an uh, excellent team. I can feel you. I can feel you on that, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, when I met Jalen this year at the D.C. Olive Branch game, D.C. fooled me. They gave me a little fool's goal. It was tied up at 21, made me think it was going to be a close game. And then next thing you know, I look up and it was like 42 to 21. It was oh, close versus, for a minute. Versus OB? 
Yeah, that uh, yeah. last year's game yeah. when I met you. Right, right. Yeah, no, that game was that game was close, for real. I was like halftime. I was like, dang, OB, y'all better come on. And then so you know my uh my my little cousin DJ was on on the team, and I was like, okay, DJ, y'all out there doing y'all thing. Y'all keep balling. So it was it was it was crazy at halftime. But then uh the end of the game, I was. I wasn't expecting to pull away like that. I was like, damn, y'all actually, like, it was a close game. What happened? They, they let their guard down, man. That's what happened. They... Nah, for real. They had a, the the receiver they had. He, he couldn't be stopped that game. I want to say he had, like, four deep balls. Man, what? He cut down that sideline right – I think you were over there by me. He cut down that yeah. sideline. Man, gone. No, yeah, yeah. He had, he had a pretty good game, but pretty good second half. You was thinking, man, I'd lock his ass up. I was out there. <laughs> oh, absolutely. For sure. For sure. So, Jalen, you were a, a blue chip defensive back from Mississippi. ESPN.com said that you had a high upside and great height, range, skills to play cornerback at the college level. You were a four star prospect by Rivals.com. You were named Mississippi's sixth A first team all state. Uh, you were named to the first-team All-State by the Clarion Ledger, selected to play in the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star Classic. You had 45 tackles, three interceptions, two blocked field goals. So, obviously, it was it was a good move going to Olive Branch, but how good were you guys when you were at Olive Branch that season? Oh, well, we were I – w- I would say we was one of the best teams. Like, I would say we was as far as, like – Talent wise, we was the second best team in the state because South Panola, the talent level that they had, like the the pool of talent that they had to pick from, and just like how the guys developed out there, it is, uh, bro. I ain't never in my life seen nothing like that. Like I literally thought we was playing a team of grown men every time I seen them in any 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 facet like i'm watching them i'm playing against them like from middle school on up it was like bro are they drinking like monster juice every time they come out here like what's what's we, going on we was just talking to jet johnson from uh mississippi state who uh who went to tupelo and he he got fortunate that he said it was about the end of their reign when, oh when he was going God. because he said before that was when you were dealing with them and they just weren't stoppable no, yeah, yeah. So that that team we had at Olive Branch, um, definitely one of the 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 better teams that I've seen. You know, come out come out of this area. Um, just like the amount of the players that we had go, you know, going to play in, in college and stuff like that. It, you know, Memphis or you know, um, I think it was uh, Tory went to what, Tabor for a little bit was playing, but we had we had so many people go different places. Todd ended up at. Uh, there was like uh, Oklahoma State or something like that. Um, I mean, we had we had so much talent on that team, and uh, it's crazy. The crazy part is, a lot of those guys were in the younger classes. For real, for real. we had you know like I think it was like four of us, five of us from my class. Um, but they a lot of the, a lot of those guys were actually younger guys that was you know really talented like that. So obviously. College is, is on the radar at this point. You talk about the camps, but how did you inevitably get to LSU? And, like, what was there one thing that made you go, yeah, I'm going there. That's the place for me. <laughs> I like I like, I like like answering this question now. Uh, but, like, so I didn't really have no other option. 
that I didn't have no that's, other options. That's crazy. This is wild. Just knowing, just knowing the defensive backs that come out of LSU, and you say you went there and you you were great there, but say you didn't have any other options. That that is unbelievable. So, so it's like I I didn't have any other D one offers, like for real, for real. I didn't I didn't have any other ones. I had probably like a it was like a my junior year, I wanna say at the be at the beginning of it, at the beginning of my junior year, I was probably like a maybe like two or it was like um Penn University. Yeah. Um and then some other like D three school out of Mississippi. Um those were the only schools that like had sent me a letter or was looking at me, anything like that. And then so going into my senior year. Um, I had committed to LSU, but I had been to Mississippi State's like seven on seven camp, um, you know, three, I'll say from my sophomore year into my senior year, I went to the little seven on seven camp. We went to one at Ole Miss, um, went to junior day at Mississippi State, like uh, went to camp out, out at Memphis the day, like two days before I went to the LSU camp, the first one I went to. Um and so, like, I'm, I don't really know how, you know, I ended up at the LSU camp. You know, I go through the camp. They're like, damn, we want you to come back when we have all our, you know, commits coming. Like, all the commit, they have, I think it was, at that time, I think it was three camps or maybe two two camps during the summer. Uh, an early one and then a late one when all the commits come to and, that's where all this. So it was like, I went to the early one. It was like, come back. I was like, all right, cool. We're going to see what happened. I went to the second camp. And then, you know, after that, went up to the office with um, Sherman Morris. Uh, he worked out at Memphis, I think, now. Um, but he was, you know, kind of helping me and my mom out through that little whole process. We didn't know what it was. My mom didn't know nothing. I just knew I wanted to play football. But he was helping us out, took us up there. Next thing I know, I had an offer. And, I was like, all right, cool. Probably, I think it was probably like two, three weeks later. I was like, all right, well, shit, I'm gonna commit. I mean, Daniel, that that that's the that very that's, that's the very essence, you know, Jalen. Uh, you know, my daughter wanted to go to LSU for soccer, and the thing was, like, she's never gonna get seen up here in North Mississippi. So we went down Damn, to the camps and everything, and I told her, I was like, you got to kill these camps, and unfortunately. Uh, the talent level of the the girls, man, they came from Florida, Texas, Virginia, whatever. Right. She, she found out speed kills real quick. But, you know, I, I told her to the point of you getting seen there, um, you know, you got to go there and you got to put on a show. And so for you, that just shows what you did there. You, it's definitely a unique story because usually, you know, every guy we have come on that that says something like that, they say they end up going to junior college because nobody really offered them. And then next thing you know, we've had guys, you know, big time colleges or even pro starting right. to go, you, you got the the big dog was the only one. So it's, it's kind of wild, but you get there in 2011, um, you know, to a fully loaded team. So, you know, clearly, you know, when you say red shirt, but then you look at who was on that roster, it's like, all right, yeah, I, I can see why he would have to red shirt when he got there. Right. But, man, when we talk to guys about redshirting, it's amazing what they tell us because you get a chance to get acclimated to the program and learn everything and be yeah. a part of it. But, you know, you don't waste your year of eligibility. And so you you get to really learn a lot of stuff, you know, talk to the upperclassmen, watch them play, get in the weight room, nutrition. Right. So talk about that redshirt season, especially because, you know, that team made a national championship run. What you got to – what all you got to take in that season? Right. Um. So – I guess I hadn't really 
like thought about that. Um, I guess in in that in that way, you know how you put it. But honestly, I feel like um, you know for some people um, going into college, whether it be excuse me, whether it be like they're not necessarily ready, I guess as far as like knowledge of the game. Um, they might have like the mentality, the physical ability, and all that stuff, but they might not just be all there mentally knowing what to do on this and how to, you know, fit into a defense and stuff like that. Um, and then just like other situations where you have, you know, like mine where I have, you know, like a, eight guys in front of me that like there's there's no way I'm just going to come in and if unless I'm that good and there's just no way. You know what I'm saying? Like unless, unless you're just that guy. Um, you're going to have to, you know, fight through, fight through those struggles of sitting on the sideline or being the, the scout team for the ones um, going up against Ruben Randall every day him cooking me up the side, up and down the sideline. Like you think he's a tall, big, like slow dude. He is so, he was so smooth and fast up the sideline running his routes. Like, bro, that was, that was one of the, um, one of the best years of like learning, um, because it's like, you know, going against these top athletes, you know, to jump from the skill level from high school to college. Uh, I mean, it's okay. On high school, I might have somebody that's, you know, right there with me, close, whatever. But in, in college, you know, the people that have been there and then the guys that's coming in with me, they all right here neck and neck, if not, you know, two or three years ahead. So it's like every day I'm out here fighting, fighting for my life. And I, you know what I'm saying? It's, I got cooked a lot my uh my my freshman year uh in college. Hey, hey, I ain't even Hampton, gonna lie to you. Maurice Hampton came on here and talked about how his first day of practice he had to guard Jamar Chase. So I feel you, <laughs> bro. I I'm I'm not gonna lie to you out there with the with dudes Odell, um, Jarvis out there, just the dudes from my class. Um, you know, people from Louisiana know Paul Turner. That's a a, a big big name from West Monroe. Paul was a quarterback in high school, play receiver, but just like a there was so many different guys, Russell Shepard, you know what I'm saying? Like all these guys we had to go against all year, every day, like the best of the best. It was really, uh, I guess for me, it was really uh, helpful. Just, just like the skill level as a whole. Well, like having to go every play It's in Mississippi high school is hard. Cause it, it, every every team doesn't have that guy in every position. They might have you know one guy on this side of the ball. He might might not be a receiver or whatever it is. So it's like I didn't see a whole lot of those guys when I was coming through school. I want to say like the two guys that I know that gave me trouble uh, my freshman year of high school, Chad Bumpus, cooked me, uh, and then my senior year it was a uh, Nick Brazel. So those are really the only guys, but going into college is literally every day, every dude I like. So it was a, it was good ratio year for me to get to see everything. I was one of the guys that um, I got to travel a little bit more than the other guys, um, just because I was uh, kind of on that, that, I guess the the edge or whatever. I was one of those guys that like we might, we might throw him in there. You know what I'm saying? Might take him off his red shirt. Like I want to say the Auburn game. Uh, Auburn game my my freshman year, it was like a they ended up scoring, and we were way down there, and some substitution something happened, and they didn't have a corner out there, and I was standing by the coach. It was me and Dwayne Thomas, uh, 
Oh, wait. Was it Dwayne? I want to say it was. Nah, that wasn't Dwayne. It might have been. It might have been Ronald. Martin. But they threw they were they threw somebody out there and I was I was so close. I remember this. I was so close to being out there and burning my burning my red shirt for a field goal block. Like I would <laughs> But if been, you would have blocked that field goal, it would have been worth it. Oh, it would have been great. But come on now. A freshman college, they like, oh, get out there, throw him at well, That's the beauty the of the goal. rule now is you got the four games. So like I mean, right, if you would have right, went right. out there, it wouldn't have ruined it. Um mm. you know, you talk about all these guys. If you were to say one guy who you were able to learn the most from specifically on the defensive side of the ball, obviously, because that's where you are. You know, what what upperclassmen were you able to learn from the most? Upperclassmen I was able to learn from the most, um, I would probably have to say Thero Simon, uh, just by, while I was there, because he was – he was actually – he was taller than me. Uh, he's probably like 6'3", six, 6'4"-ish. But so he was the only other like real tall, long, long body corner that we had on the team. He was a upperclassman. So um, just a year above me, but just being able to watch him because we kind of had to go through the same thing. Like everything back then was all like, you got to be really low and you got to be, you know what I'm saying? Tight and use your hands and stuff. And so it was a challenge for us because we're trying to learn this technique, but we're, you know, six, two, six, three, really long guys. I mean, I, I didn't really press in high school. So that was kind of a challenge, but definitely, um, you know, watching him and, you know, being close with him and him and T, uh, they was, they was always together for real, for real. So just kind of like, you know, ear hustling off them or every, or, or just watching tape and seeing, you know, what they, what, what he's doing and how he's, you know, attacking receivers and things like that. Uh, that was a big help for me. Yeah, no doubt. So, you know, getting into your redshirt freshman season, you guys went 10-3. You appeared in all 13 games. Uh, the game you made your mark was in a win against Texas A&M, which has a whole new essence. But when I when I wrote this rundown, it's now taken a whole different feel because I watched LSU on Twitter lose their mind about the Johnny Manziel documentary because they conveniently left when they played LSU they, all. Yeah, they, they, skipped, they skipped over that. Yeah. So let's talk about it since they don't want to talk about it. Y'all go into Kyle Field. Um, you right. even pick off Johnny football and you get the a first one. Pass. So man, talk to me about that game if you remember. Right. Um, no, that game was crazy because that was my yeah, but like you said, my first actual like start. Um, because I was that year I wasn't starting, but I, in the nickel package, I would come, I would come in the game and they, you know, play outside and they would uh you know, bump, bump T down. So, uh, or, damn, what's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, bumping down. So, um, I played a lot early on that game and just, like, kind of getting the speed of how their offense ran was completely different for us. I remember um, at the end of that game, they said we had, like, close to 80 plays or something like that on defense, like 70-plus plays on defense. And, like, when we heard that, are we like, it was like 70 plays? Are you serious? Like, back then, that was a lot of plays as a, on the defense. But um, so it was it was a it was a different atmosphere. You know, they have the uh, – what do they call them? Because I don't, I, I don't want to call them male cheerleaders. They're going to get their feelings hurt. <laughs> they're going to get their feelings hurt. 
what is is it the, what is it man I, I don't know i actually seen them being trolled today uh oh, <laughs> their call. but yeah y'all y'all went in there with the they had the mail yeah, whatever yeah, man was, all that <laughs> right right hey, i hear it's i look i've never been there i hear it's very cult like down there like the yeah, way they it was it was it was a different atmosphere. They did get into it. Everybody in the stands was like it was a nice, loud atmosphere. It was like a, a SEC type atmosphere that I, you know, that I felt. Uh, the little spirit squad or whatever it is, it was cool. Um, but the game, the game was just. Uh, I guess it was really highlighted because their offense was like a you know running gun, they're going to throw the ball a thousand times and this and that, and they're putting up all these points. And, you know, Johnny football, he's been so spectacular up until that game. And so they hadn't seen a defense like ours mm -hmm. until we pulled up, and I want to say our D-line, like, fucked Johnny over. Because the first half, it was kind of like we still trying to figure out what's going on. And then towards the end of the first half, we was kind of like battling each other out, trying to figure out, you know, the coaches were trying to figure out, oh, how we need to attack this and that. At the end of that first half, they start letting the D-line go. And they started, it started messing up their whole, their whole offensive plan because they couldn't keep up with the speed. They like it they had uh Sam Montgomery, Mingo out there. Uh, Benny Logan, like all, all these guys was killing it down there. And so like at the end of that first half, he threw, he threw that, uh, he just threw a ball up. He didn't even like, he threw a ball up and uh, I caught that first pick. I was the first, I was the first person to pick him off in college. And so nice. after that, um, because, I, you know, they was all talking about his touchdowns, no interceptions, blah, blah, blah. And we ended up picking him off twice that game. Uh, I want to say Thero had to pick at the end of the game uh, to end it off, but I mean they they had a they had a good team, but they they just couldn't keep up with the speed, man. For real, for Jalen. Let me ask you a question, man. Yeah. So he he was known for letting defenses hear about it. Y'all let him hear about it? Oh, I mean, we was definitely like a, a talking defense, but like I guess for me being the the young the young guy out there. Yeah. Like I was, I was one of the, the, you know, guys with the fresh feet out there. I wasn't doing a whole lot of talking. I was just out here trying to do my job. But I know for a fact that the rest of them boys, I know Thera was talking, the D line. I know they was in his ear the whole time, and he didn't, he didn't have opportunity to talk no shit against us because we were smacking him in the mouth. Yeah, and no, it wasn't even just, it wasn't even just that year either. That was, that was the other thing. Like I said, it was, it was burning on Twitter. He got on both both years, right? The, the, and right. so yeah, LSU LSU had his number, but I mean that just shows our defense that we had those years. Obviously, you were a part of. Like, I nice. mean, it, it really, you know, and it's not to it's not to knock, but you know, our offense uh, struggled a little bit in those years. But it was never it was oh, never, yeah. it was never about defense. The defense was always no. Nah, we was we was always gonna handle business. We was sometimes we would go out there and be like, all right, let's see what these boys got. Come on, now, offense, let's go. Sometimes they'll come out strongly. Sometimes it might come out flat. It might be a rough day, but it was definitely defense. We was always going to cheer them on. We was always going to handle our defense for sure.
Yeah, no doubt. And with that, I want to I want to go ahead and skip ahead to your junior year to 2014 because mm-hmm. um, the eight and five record just doesn't deflect what you guys did. Um, you had the number one ranked uh, yes. in the SEC uh, yes. and the number one ranked pass defense. This stat is gaudy, boys. They only allowed 164 pass yards per game. Um, yeah. The secondary we talk about DBU. It was you, Tredavious White, Jalen Mills, and Jamal Adams. So all NFL players, man. Just talk yeah. to me about obviously we talk about just being at LSU and all the studs, but in that particular season, when you look at the four of y'all in the secondary and you know what y'all would go on to be and what y'all were then, like just how awesome was it to play with that core of guys? Um, no, it was it was really fun for me. Um because those were, you know, some of my younger guys. So I get to see them grow, but also just being able to, uh, you know, have that, you know, chemistry on the field and, and have that carryover into game where we know, like, we got each other's back. We're going we gonna to lay it down, whatever we got to do. If I got to go here, if I got to play on the other side, like, if we got to, if we got to, you know, pick up from our guy, we know he's got to miss, like, whatever it was. We was down to do it. We was we was doing extra work. I mean, off season. Um, I had I had on the chain gang shirt. They don't even do these the chain gang shirts at LSU anymore because it's it's uh it was it was like a, something you earn every week if you help move the chains on defense off the special team. But it's a black shirt. It's a chain gang's got a chain. But so they stopped doing it because all the people that get in trouble. I had on the chain yeah. gang shirts anyways. Got, got to so be like, politically correct now, yeah. Right, right. But so, like, we used to wear those, like, in the summer workouts, the offense, they'll go and they'll have their color zone. We used to come into summer workouts, and I'm sure they still do it. And we and the summer workouts, when it, we're not with the coaches and stuff like that, we come out there, we work out all black, and it's just, like, it's not an option. We don't care. Like, you, you ain't got to go – do no steady hall, no this and that. Everybody is coming and we not missing these workouts. And that's the only, those were the, really the only workouts that we used to do as a group, like the DBs, no lot, like it was strictly DBs. We used to have, um, RC used to come back every now and then, Ryan Clark, uh, Corey Webster was there a lot of the times. Um, and then some of the older guys that had left would come back. Um, but just having those, you know, that, that year round, you know, camaraderie with those guys um, and being able to just, you know, fight all year round and be there for each other. It, it definitely helped us out on the field. And that's, you know, a, a big testament to how we, we got to be, you know, that defense that we were in. Yeah, uh, you were talking earlier about practice and, you know, going against guys. I am curious, you know, what's it like tackling Leonard Fournette? Uh, <laughs> uh, so back then, bro, I know everybody remembers the um, was the the Under Armour game mm-hmm. where he where he committed and people were saying he looked like he was thirty and stuff like that. That's a that's a real life romance. Y'all seen <laughs> what he's been developed into, and even when he came in to tell us you, it was not he's like bro. It was it was dead ass like hitting a linebacker for real for real. Like I ain't never seen a. a of freshman in college that could move like that was as fast as he was. But like, when you look at him, you think, oh, that's a power back right there. And he was all every, every hundred percent a power back, but he was so fast. It was outrageous. Tackling that man was not fun. I will say that. He did look 30 though. (laughs) No, exactly. He did look 30. It's crazy. Like 
he looked younger now. Yeah, agreed. You know, like he looked younger now. What's going I was on? Gonna say that he he still looks the same age, exactly the same as he did. Right, like he, he, he ain't look like Greg Oden or nothing. He ain't look nah, five. Right, right, right. No, he definitely looked old, real. But now nah, that's that's man right there for sure. So you know, with that, at the end of that season, you decided to forego your senior year and enter the draft. Man, how hard of a decision was that to make? Um, that was it. Was a really it was a really tough decision. Um, one because I loved, I love being at LSU. Um, it's a great place, great people, um, just like a great city outside of football. But then when it comes to football, I mean, it's really, really second to none, man. The the people that you get connected with and the things that you can learn, um, the facilities that they have, the way they take care of the guys. Um, I mean, it's 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 really unmatched. And then just like the you know recent players. You know, how we, um, I guess the standard that we hold, you know, ourselves to and the, and the younger guys, you know, we expect them to hold that up. Um, so we expect nothing but the best. And we going to expect that for as long as, as long as we here, we're going to expect LSU to be the top. So that's just, that's just what it, it, what it is. Yeah, no doubt. So I was asked to, uh, to ask you this question in light of, uh, you know, the things that happened this week at LSU. Um you know, we need somebody who's been there before to explain that it's not a big deal. You know, people, especially with social media now, like to make things so much bigger of a deal. It is, you know, Malik Neighbors and Harold Perkins get into it and then it ends up being a whole big scuffle at practice. You know, right. from you as a previous player, explain, you know, how <laughs> things like that happen. And it, it is what it is. Like LSU's right. chemistry isn't blown up. You know, there isn't right. like disgruntled team. Like it's football and this is going to happen. Right. Yeah. No, the crazy thing, because I, I did see that. Uh, I did want to say well, probably earlier today. I saw that and I'm like, I mean, this is football we're talking about and camp. Nonetheless, like this is literally the grittiest, nastiest time of the football year. And you only get to hit your teammates for a, a month plus. Like, of course, at some point it's going to be a fight. Between the D linemen, the running backs and the linebackers, you know what I'm saying? The receivers and the DBs, they might fight every day. Like when I was there, I bro, I've seen so many. I got into fights with with some of the DBs. Like we everybody's fighting, like, and it's nothing over the top. Like I or we didn't have any of that. It wasn't. It wasn't anything. I mean, when you come back out there next day, you probably won't even think about it. Right, like, and if you are, you're really in the wrong place, in the wrong mind. You're not even worried about football. But so, like, I've seen fights every day. Like, all the names that went through LSU, I've seen every single one of those guys fight at practice. Every single one of them. You can't name, you can't name a DB that was drafted in the past ten years that didn't fight at practice. Not one. And you should. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, it's as a team, if we are. I guess if we are, you know, getting on each other's nerves that much, if we battling it out that much, at some point, I'm going to expect to be, I didn't had enough with this dude. You know what I'm saying? At some point, it's going to be, all right, now, nah, like, now nah, I got to show him what's up. Like, y'all really playing with me right now. At and you got point, four brothers. It ain't like you weren't used to that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's like, that's going to happen on a football team, especially in camp. When it, when it happens... You let them fight. If you know what I'm saying, if how, however the coach wants to handle it, you, you let them fight. Boom, they get out there and go back to practice. So you let them fight. 
you know, get them out the drill, go make them sit down for whatever. But after that, it's over with. We a team. Like, okay, if you're going to, you know, let it have you in a bad mood for whatever, whatever. The next day, that that's gone for real, for real. We got we got other. I mean, you said it best. You're hitting the same dudes over and over again. It's 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 bound to happen. But it was just funny how they tried to make a story about it, and you know, it's it's reaching, and and that's no, why I wanted def- you to speak to it. It's definitely it's definitely reaching, and it, and it's and it's crazy. Like sometimes in the off season, they come up with these wild stories just because they don't have anything to talk about. Right. So it's like, I mean, I look, I'm glad the boys out there fight. Get it out now. So y'all could be like, all right, cool. All right, we didn't beat each other's ass all these past two, three months. And now let's go dog everybody else. Yeah, no doubt. So my last question, I'll let Randy talk, you know, everything professional. You know, with this LSU team that's coming up this season, man, I was just talking about neighbors, Perkins. Perkins, who, man, I remember last year, I said I didn't think anybody would wear 40 and – play the linebacker position like Devin White and mm. who may be better. You know, it's early to say that, but the way he right. did last year. And so right. and you look, man, defense is stacked. you got Jaden Daniels and the weapons you do, the running back stable as normal, what you expect. Like this team, like there are people, there are people around the country legit expecting this team to make the college football playoffs. So for you who understands the game, knows the talent level, man, what, what are your expectations for LSU this year? Um, and like I said earlier, the expectations for LSU, we always have the expectations that our, our team is going to do great. We have the expectations that we're going to make the playoff every year. We can make the playoff every year. Now, like you said, this team that we have this year, we got a really good chance. I felt like the team last year, um, I feel like they had a really good offense. I feel like they had a really good chance. Um, you know, we hate to see – that, you know, Booty didn't really get the season that we thought he was going to have. Um, but nonetheless, like, I know that that team had developed, you know, around five, and we actually believe in him for real, for real. Like, he came out and he, you know, proved a lot of people wrong because um, early on they didn't think that he could get it done and this and that. Man, he's cool as a whistle back there in that pocket. He was handling business, and I'm definitely excited to see them boys show out this year for sure. Jalen, let's get into it, man. You said that uh, you, obviously you forego your, your your senior season at LSU. Yeah. You get drafted by the Atlanta Falcons, second-round pick with the 42nd pick. You were expected to be a possible first-rounder, and that was all the hype. Mm-hmm. Foot surgery and some other complications obviously held you back. But before we get before we get deep into those complications, right. let's talk about what, what was draft day like for you and where were you and who were you with? Okay, uh, draft day. I was uh, I was here in uh, Olive Branch, um, the the neighborhood I lived in. Um, it was close to the close to the state line over in Memphis, off of what is it? The old, I can't remember. We would it was over there uh, close to Memphis, but we had a little community center um, in our neighborhood, and my mom had threw a party there. Um, we were there the first day big party you know didn't get picked the first day it was cool um and then the second day we was all just kind of hanging out there me and my family uh, a bunch of my friends that I grew up with um we were all just kind of you know there hanging out having a nice little little cookout little barbecue everybody was having a good time um but it was it was a it was a cool experience for real for real I'm not gonna lie to you uh, just having all the people all the people there um that have supported me for so long even some of my uh 
even my some of my friends that I I met through like high school it had nothing to do with sports. Just like it was a great time to just be surrounded by family. Um, I did get invited to go to the draft, but I for I I didn't want to I didn't want to do that just because the I guess leading up to it, you know, guys go on visits. There's a combine. There's um, workouts and all this stuff. <clears throat> Mine was, I had to go see, I think it was probably like 10, it was probably like eight teams or something like that. So I was, I was moving around on top of, uh, I was in Florida training, but I was based in Louisiana, but I was, I went back home for a little bit and then I had to go to North Carolina for surgery. And then after I did surgery, my rehab, I was doing all of the visits and stuff like that. So I, at the draft time, I was, I was cooked. I was just ready to chill and relax with my family and friends. And uh, that's what we did. Yeah. So you, you talked about it when you came out of high school, you really only had one D one offer and that was LSU. So right. going to all these different teams and meeting them is it, was that like, the first time you've been recruited, I mean, because you really are, they're interviewing you, are they grilling right. you? What's that process? What was that like for you mentally? Um, well, so I guess at the uh the team visits, it wasn't um I don't think they grilled us that much at the team, the team visits. Um they there was like some like uh, like classroom sessions where we got on the board and talked some defense and stuff like that. But it w I wouldn't say it was it was like a a, a grilling. I, I want to say that did happen, though, like at the combine. So that's where it was kind of like a little wheelhouse. And it was really trying to, you know, get into your head, see how you, you know, learn things, if you could this and that. But at the same time, you know, being uh, it's a lot of money, they about to put it to you. Right, right. It's a, it's a lot of money, but at the same time, like you know, being a elite athlete, like it, it wasn't it wasn't anything you know too crazy or I, you know I couldn't handle. I felt like a lot of the guys that went through it as well, I felt like, but I felt like a lot of the guys handled it well as too, um, you know, going through the the questions and stuff like that. But um, it was it was definitely a little different. Um, like you said, you know, my my really my first time kind of like being recruited. Um, you know, I went to LSU. I went to uh, my only – I only went to one official visit, which was LSU. I went um, – I ended up getting sick. I didn't really do anything. But so going to the NFL teams, you know, the hotel, which is cool, and then they take you around. You show you all the facilities. You get to see, like, some money and stuff like this. You know, they got the nice little cafeteria, the older locker rooms like this. They got – you know, you see all the cool stuff. And so it was, it was actually really nice getting to see the different places – um, it was it was definitely a, an experience for sure. Yeah, no doubt. So you get drafted by Atlanta, uh, played two years with the Falcons, account for 44, 45 solo tackles, 48 combined tackles, two for loss, two interceptions. You talked about the transition from high school to the SEC and LSU being as how you might just have like a dude in high school on this side, this side, this side. LSU gets a little deeper. What's the transition like going from the SEC, which we all know is the king of college football, to right. the NFL where everybody's a dog? Right. Um, the biggest the biggest difference, um, what changes from when you go to college to the NFL, um, I guess college, you like learning the game. 
you know, get a little grasp of it. But then when you get to the NFL, you're really like learning football and you're playing football. Like it's crazy. Like I'm probably, you know, hear other other NFLs guys, NFL guys say this, but like when you when you go from high school to college, the game gets so much faster. But then when you go from college to the NFL, the game slows down so much. Like just the little details and little things on how like not to waste steps, not to, you know, do certain things that are going to put you out of position, just like every little detail matters. So you just get to the point where literally, you know, how many steps you're going to take to do this or what foot you need to use to like, it's, it gets so technical, you know, doing a certain little steps, 500,000, you know what I'm saying? Two, like, just doing it so many times to where it, it almost becomes effortless. And it's like people that watch and be like, what are they doing? This and that. They can't really see like the, you know, the subtle nuances that change, but it's a lot slower because it's just so much more detail. Yeah, no doubt. So you get to be a part of the Atlanta Falcons team that goes on the Super Bowl run in 2016. You start on the Falcons secondary throughout the playoffs. What's that experience like to be a part of a team uh, that where you, I mean, the significant part, you intercept Cam Newton, Drew Brees, right. have a team-high 11 tackles in the, the Super Bowl, which we'll right. talk more about in a second. But what was that that run like for you guys? Um, that run was really crazy. Um, so in the beginning, in, in, in the season, um, I had to, <clears throat> I had to <clears throat> miss a few games. But when I got back, um, it was kind of like right at the beginning of when things started to ramp up for us. Um, and then, so, you know, everybody knows, like, in the NFL, you can have an undefeated season or you could, you know, have a start out rough. And it doesn't really matter what happens in the beginning of the regular season. When it gets to the end, that end stretch from, like, November on, if you keep winning, then it really don't matter what the rest of it was. And so, um, like, that that year, man, it was, it was crazy to see because I kind of got thrown in there. Um, because I had I had been out um, those first few games and Trufant get hurt. Trufant get Trufant gets hurt. He went down. Uh, there was a Thursday night game. We were playing Tampa, and I went out there and we end up uh, we end up winning that game uh, playing against uh, Jamison. Um, but from that time on, uh, I mean I, I've never seen a team like locked in like that literally on every little thing that we had to do, um, you know, coming together as brothers, watching film, um, you know, Matt leading the team, Julio and the, and the other leaders, you know, just making sure that everybody's on their P's and Q's. We got to do everything. You need to be at the meetings. You got to eat when you need to get your massages. Like I've never seen anything like that before, but I can understand why we got, so far and, and why we had the season that we did just because it's it takes a lot to get you know a locker room of guys on the same page but like a whole the whole organization it felt like we was just like on like some like you know crazy movie high type deal like we were all just everything was clicking running on all cylinders and I mean the the DBs we would stay late but everybody was staying like the 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 linebackers, the D line. I mean, it was hard for us to get out of that building. I know some of our coaches 
slept in their offices on cots because like that's just how much time we put into trying to be you know that much better every week and trying to be the best team out there yeah so i want to i want to i talk about perspective a lot i got i got four kids Jaylen, so perspective right. it matters right. right obviously that super bowl doesn't end the way it's doesn't end the way you want it to but right. have you had a chance to reflect on what it meant to be there and you team high you're the you're the leading tackler on that team in a super bowl oh, against right. what's probably the greatest quarterback of all time right I mean, um, have you had a chance to soak that in it's man long, it's, it's been a minute now no yeah yeah of course i've all i've uh even since it happened you know it's, it's just like tough because we lost but at the same time like from the moment you start watching football, that's the only thing you want to do is go to the Super Bowl and win. Like if if you have ever touched a football, played any game, like you like, oh, I want to go win the Super Bowl. So some just, people just like, want to attend the Super Bowl, Jalen. Right. Even... Some people, some people want to go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, just go. Right, right. And so just like for me, um, that whole year was crazy because like my second year in the NFL, where you know. Well, I guess we were we, we were the underdogs, right? We're underdog in the Super Bowl. But yeah. we're playing in the Super Bowl. And this is my second year in the NFL. And there are some people that are in the Hall of, Hall of Fame. Ain't never been to a Super Bowl. So it's like, you know, it was it was really surreal. Um, and it's still kind of like, damn, bro. We, you know, we was out there. We had a shot. But uh Jalen, y'all had more than a shot, dog. That was, yeah, I'm, I'm be y'all, was, y'all was up 28-3. Coming. Let me tell let me tell you why y'all really lost. Look, us Saints fans did a little voodoo because our only bragging right is that one Super Bowl over Atlanta. So right. We, right. we start, we start, we pulled out all stops, and that's you know, that's kind of why it went sideways, man. Y'all was hating. But no, nah, I mean look, the, the the I still uh you know to this day am uh appreciative of like that moment and and what it was for me um and it's and it's just like man i've achieved something that a lot of football athletes will never achieve some probably have you know longer greater careers than i did but that's literally the pinnacle of of football is getting to the super bowl and having a chance to win it uh, it would have been you know great if i went but i'm like i have a i have a super bowl card you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I have a that's panini. a small fraternity. I have a panini, <laughs> like I want to say it's five of five, a Super Bowl card. I'm like, and and the crazy part is I'm I ain't, I ain't got one of those. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's crazy because it's like on the picture, it's they took a picture from the um NFC championship game. We played the Green Bay. So, but it's like me celebrating with the strip, and I got the ball in my hand. So it's like, damn, I got a Super Bowl card. I'm on it like Bro, I don't like people will try to troll, and I'm like, man, y'all could y'all could go ahead and say what y'all want to say, but it can't nothing can't nothing take this away from Randy. Me, so. He said there's five there's five of them out there. I bet you Anthony Renato, guest of this show, that owns card and cards and culture in Baton Rouge, probably knows where all five are. Right? If, oh, and you look, better have you know one. What? You know what? Look, I haven't even shown this anywhere. This hasn't exclusive even, like, to end off the bench. This is this is. It's dusty. Look at this. <laughs> that's, my, that's an NFC championship ring right there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't even, like, that's that's a little gift I got. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of people that not that don't even get close to that. No, so man. So, it's like, man, I, I look, I, we lost, but, hey. 
Hate if you want, but but I still hate, I'm hate still if there. You want, bro. I got I got a shot. You did. All right, Jalen. Let's get into it a little bit, man. So 2017. Yeah. Suspended 10 games uh for NFL's policy on performance enhancing substances. Uh I was gonna go a different way with this question, but instead I want to ask you this. Okay. I talked about perspective. Now I want to talk about timing. Mm-hmm. If that happens today, are you still in the league? Same thing. Same exact situation happens again. It's a timing thing. Um, well, so the performance enhancing thing, um, if if that happened today, yeah, I probably would be. I mean, I don't know how exactly how the rules have changed, but I know for, I want to say I was out in 2019 was my last year. So I know after that, they changed the policy. They changed the drug policies. And I want to say, and I know I know the numbers because I was in the program myself. Um, when I was in, a positive test was like 35, 36 nanograms of uh, THC in your system was a, was a failed test. But the year after, the cutoff was like 150 nanograms. And so... I've been getting drug tested since I was a sophomore in college. I have not one day had over a hundred nanograms on to come up on a test. I've that I've never had that happen. So when they when that number came out, I was like, damn, there's no way that went three times or five times the limit that they had. But uh, I mean. Yeah, it is what it is. And I feel like it the is suspension what... was just itself is too long. Like, I mean, right. games is a lot. And, I mean, let, let's call it what it is. I'm a Saints fan, right? Alvin Kamara beat the hell out of a dude, and he just got three games. He jumped him no, with his homies. Yeah. Right. No, yeah, but... it's, it's it's crazy how the how they view certain things and the punishment varies from this to that. No, I agree. That's kind of why – that's kind of where I was going with my question. Right. Not right. even on the performance enhancing, but just about the right. timing thing, right? If like you go through that exact same scenario again, right. you know, maybe it turns out to be completely different. You talked about the nanograms of THC. They've oh, obviously yeah. changed the drug testing situation. Twenty eighteen, you're with. I'm an Indianapolis Colts fan, and right. I do feel sorry for me because we're kind of trash. But, uh, you know, obviously another suspension comes there, and I, I would imagine I'm not saying it was, but maybe that's right. again the THC thing. Yeah. If yeah. it's 150. Maybe you're in the secondary for the Colts. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you get to oh, get reunited absolutely. with Matty Ice a couple years, you know? No, if it was – We're talking if, different. If it was – timing, if it was uh, – if the levels were what they are now, I would I would have never even been suspended that that my first year. I would have I would have never missed that game. Like the, the season we went to the Super Bowl, I would have never missed any game. I honestly would have never had – I wouldn't – half of the suspensions I had wouldn't even be – Randy, Randy was just quarterback Andrew Luck in 2018. Oh yeah, and that was yeah, he, that yeah. was that was the best Colts team that uh, agreed since Peyton in like what oh six. The best yeah. opportunity that uh, that they had to get back um, in the past in the recent years. Um, I got there. I mean, it was it was crazy because it was like I wasn't necessarily playing, but I got got there with the team and just got to see it start clicking and I it was feeling the same way and going into that game I was like man there's no way like granted we are we are granted we are playing Pat Mahomes and they did have Tyreek Hill out there so they they had you know two of the most spectacular players in the league but just like the feeling 
and the work that I knew that we put in and the confidence that we had in Andrew, oh, we was just like, oh, we know for sure we about to get out there. They finna make this happen. Andrew and T.Y. was on a roll. Um, and Mo was out there showing off. Uh, Vinny was out there booting that thing, man. We sure. we just knew for a fact because we believed in Andrew that much. Like, oh, he gonna go down there and get us six points. And then if he don't, we got Vinny. Vinny gonna get us a, a smooth three pointer from you know what I'm saying outside the arc. We gonna be good. And it was it was just like one of those one of those games, man. We pulled in, um, and I remember this so vividly. Um, the bus is coming up to the stadium, and that morning it started snowing. Um, well, I think it was like the day before it was kind of snow a little bit, but then that morning it, st- it started snowing for real, and then kind of towards game time. But when we were pulling up to the stadium. I'm looking out the window and I, you know, see the fans, they all talking, talking noise. Some of them throw little snowballs. It was a few dudes flipped us off. And then this one dude mooned us, like going into the stadium, <coughs> which was, it was kind of funny, but uh, it was, it was just like a rough game, man. It got really cold and I don't know, I ain't going, I ain't making excuses for nobody, but it was just a, a rough game. Vinny didn't have, you know, his greatest game, he missed a, a few kicks. Um, Andrew, you know, I'm sure he wanted to make, you know, more throws than he did and have, you know, certain plays back. But uh, I mean, man, it was it was a it was a great experience, um, you know, being out there and you know, having having playoff runs like that. Like I'm I'm blessed to see that. I know a lot of people don't. Yeah, no, no doubt. That's kind of where I was going. It sounds like obviously you sound like a pretty upbeat guy, but just going through what you went through with, you know, the suspensions and all that and the setbacks talk about your, your mental health going through all that. And then like, you know, you talked earlier about RC coming back. I listen to RC's podcast. He's really big on mentor. You talked about coming back to LSU. Are you able to do that and kind of guide these young guys that are going through the similar things that you went through? Um, yeah, uh, I feel like it's, um, I guess it's a little, it's a little different just because, you know, like with, with some of the rule changes and a lot of things are, are different now um, for the, for the younger guys, but, but still, you know, also always trying to like, you know, impart some knowledge and, Oh, excuse me. And, and get back to these guys because it's, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not an easy thing to do to get up there to, to make it to the league. And you gotta, you know, go through all these challenges. And that's why, you know, like you said, the mental, mental health thing is, um, you know, one of, one of the biggest things. So for me, like going through um, all the things that I did from, you know, like pre-draft up until like my end of the time with the Colts, um, I had to go through a bunch of like different things just because of, you know, the drug test situation and stuff like that. I actually go had to go to the, like an outpatient rehab program in South Charleston, South Carolina for a little bit. Um, it was, it was a tough process just because it's like, it's not really like a, I guess it's not really like talked about, you know what I'm saying? Like once you get in the program and stuff like that, you kind of like, you might be a player, but like, you kind of like, let's get him out of the forefront type, you know what I'm saying? Like we just going to take care of him over there. And so it, it was it was a different experience um, just because, like, I was a new guy there. 
I started getting in trouble. And then so they kind of like tried to like, I guess kind of like, you know, give me like a safe perimeter. You know what I'm saying? They try to not like, you know, you got to, I had to go meet with like a therapist every week um, and stuff like that. And they, they did some, some great things to help me. Um, you know, I guess that's a part of the reason why I'm, you know, I feel like where, where I'm at right now is me going through some of those things and having to learn a lot about myself. Um, I mean, granted, it's a, the program has changed. Right. Um, but so going through it was one thing. And then now on the other side of it, like seeing, you know, the, the rules change and all this and that. And it's like, damn, so did I go through all of that for nothing? Well, I heard you, I heard you say it on your, on the podcast, on the raw room that you weren't, you wouldn't say it was a dark place, but it was a weird place. Yeah. It's a weird place just because like everybody smokes, you know what I'm saying? Like at the time when I was getting in trouble for it, it was legal in, you know, a bunch of certain places um, on, on different scales and stuff like that, but becoming more acceptable and, you know, it just sucks that it had to take more time for it to get, you know, more I guess w- widespread, you know, acceptability and stuff like that. But uh, I mean, it's it's tough. But I mean, it's just like, man, I like. I guess I was just born, you know, a few years too early. Wrong, Look, hey. I'm gonna say it, and you don't have to agree, Jalen, because I mean, you yeah. know, you you're doing your thing. But how ironic is it that Jim Irsay is the owner of the Colts, doing all the things he does, right? And his he's they're suspending his his guy, the team that he owns, suspending players right. for weed when he's doing. I mean, it's well bro. documented what he's doing, bro. Bro, bro, man, don't get me started on Jim. Hey, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it to where he don't have to do it. Randy, you was talking about pouring into the younger guys. Um, you know, I messaged Chad Jones today. Uh, man, he spoke to the LSU football team. You were talking about going through some dark days, man. Him having his mm-hmm. career taken away. You know, I can only imagine. You know, obviously he's he's changed his life and everything, but for a long time, I, I imagine he went through a real dark period. Oh, absolutely. Um, having having football taken away in that fashion, um, especially in the you know at in the in the in the space he was in in his career, you know he was one of the top players in the country. You know what I'm saying? It's, you know about to about to be one of the you know just got drafted by Giants, yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? Top players in the country and. You know, just to have it taken away like that before you even get to, you know, go out there and taste, you know, the dream that you work so hard for. Uh, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine that. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I get drafted, I get out there, and then I never get the chance to play. Uh, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine. I mean, I, I, I know Chad has, you know, come a long way. And, you know, I commend him for being, you know, as strong a, a person as he is and using his his story, you know, to try to help other people and definitely being an inspiration and encouraging, you know, the, the kids that are coming up, you know, to cherish it and, and go for it, really, because, I mean, you could, you could really do anything you want to do. And then at the same time, it it doesn't matter what it is or where you are, you know, Every every snap could be your last snap. So uh, I mean, it's it's tough. You know, but you know, I hear people say that guys in your position that say you can do what you want to do, but Jalen, like, is that's not really true. There's a certain amount of guys that can do that. You're one of those guys, right? And that's what oh, I mean yeah. when I talk about perspective. Guys that are gifted with this gift, 
you know, if, if people that are religious, it's God given talent. Like that's yeah. the people you want to be preaching to and pouring back into. Like, don't right. waste this. Right. Like this. Right. This is your window. And and look, in the NFL, especially, you got like a three to five year window to maybe make it happen. Running backs is probably even shorter. Look at Jonathan Taylor now with the Colts, but Lord have mercy. Don't get me started on that. Oh, but Lord. before I before I turn you back over to Jim, we start talking about CFL. You bounced yeah. around a little bit in the XFL. I yeah. want to talk about man, hold on. Look, hold up. Jim, you gotta edit that out. Bounced around in the XFL. You played for a few different teams. Talk yep. about those plays, Los Angeles, Tampa, and Toronto. And I really want to know, like, what's it like living in Canada, man? Oh, wow. Um, so the XFL, the XFL was a, it was a, it was a nice time. Um, I feel like when it started in 20, it was better than this past year. But it was, it was still a great, great experience, man. Um, not the NFL level structure, but the energy, um, that we had at the games and practices and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, it was a, it was a, a definitely a great experience. I liked the little rule changes. Um, I didn't ever actually get to go to LA. I was with, I started out with LA on the supplemental draft. I went to the little like mini camp or whatever. And then at the end of it, I got traded to the Tampa team. So, but we did the, uh, the little mini camp for the, LA team we did that in Vegas so that was cool I got to go to Vegas for you know a few weeks but um oh the Tampa team so we were so far out of Tampa in a place called Plant City it was it was just silly it was you guys were set up for failure yeah he lives he lives in Tampa oh oh okay so you know that if you like strawberries, then you're all right. That's it. The yeah. strawberry festival. That's the only thing people would talk about. Man, it was so so we we stayed. I'm grateful for the experience, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give y'all a little background. We stayed in the um I wanna say it was like a, a Marriott off of one of the exits. Boom. So the only thing out there was the Marriott where we stayed. It was a Wendy's next door, and it was a gas station with a subway. That was the only thing that we had out there, literally. So you was we eating fresh every day. <laughs> bro, I was, you know how many four for fours I ate, bro? <laughs> I was living off of Wendy's. Like, we didn't have no cars because a lot of people was not from out there. Man, I used to go through the drive. I used to walk through the drive-thru, bro. <laughs> I used to walk through the drive-thru, man. We was eating that every day for for breakfast, for lunch, and like, bro, it was it was a rough time out there. It was, but the football was fun, man. We were, I loved it out there. As far as like the football and stuff like that, being out there playing with those guys, you know, uh, one of my teammates was actually one of the one of the guys we beat played quarterback at Wisconsin, Tanner McAvoy. I just I just remember that because we played a game together, and I remember when we went up there and beat their ass. <laughs> So on a CFL note, man, um, really, I didn't want to just get too much into it. I just, I wanted to ask you about something, man. Um, And obviously it's kind of a, it's kind of a down subject, but man, um, the, the dude meant a lot to us and I don't know how Mm -hmm. well you know him, but uh, obviously you were with the Edmonton Elks, uh, Christian is a two-time guest of the show. 
um, DeSoto County native like yourself. Um, how well right. did you know him? And just how much does it hurt to see, man, a, a, a young man with such promise and such passion for the game um, have his life taken so early? Um, so me and Chris, we actually go back way back. Uh, I met um, his family um, growing up at D.C. Middle School. Um, his mom and his mom, they lived over there in South Haven. His sister was in my class. Um, so when they came over to uh, to D.C., um, you know, his sister was in my class. Uh, I want to say she was a cheerleader for a little bit, but Chris was in the sport. She was always around. And so we like, you know, we got this close bond because my mom was one of the sports moms too, you know what I'm saying? So they was always around the school, working together. We went to, you know, church and stuff like that. And um, it's crazy, you know, as I'm transitioning out of high school and stuff like that, my later years in um, at LSU, you know, me and Chris were, were closer um, just because, you know, I was one of the, the guys that went somewhere in football and I noticed what he wanted to do. Um, and so we, we grew a relationship based off of that just because, shoot, I, I know a good athlete when I see one. Despite his size, Chris was a hell of an athlete. He was one of the best teams. I mean, one of the best kids in that school. You know what I'm saying? Just like off his heart alone. And so, you know, seeing him go through his struggles um, after high school, you know, not necessarily having uh, a college offers, you know what I'm saying, or scholarship and this and that, having to go um, a, a JUCO D2 route, um, having to go the, the alternative route. Um, it was it was it was interesting to see because I believed in him. And at times he didn't believe in himself. You know what I'm saying? I, I know I, I have the conversation still saved on my phone. Um, you know, he was texting me and telling me, yo, like, I don't know if this is what I want to do, man. I'm just like, I'm not really seeing this and that. And I was like, man, just keep, keep grinding, bro. It's like, you are so close. You are knocking on the door. All you have to do, and this is what a lot of, a lot of guys like fail to realize, all you have to do is keep going. Just keep going. Just keep knocking away, and you're going to get an opportunity. Well, when you know an interesting story, Dylan, that we actually haven't talked about, the three of us, uh -huh. really Daniel, because he's a Cowboys fan, when we talk about, like, the work that you put in, when he signed his fan-controlled football uh, contract was his first episode. His second episode, Daniel, do you happen to remember who interrupted our interview and walked in his room? It's Kevontae Turpin who is now the returner for the Cowboys, who was in the fan control football. Right, so it right. shows that if you keep grinding, right. you obviously see where Turpin's at now. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, like, around that time, I kind of want to say it was my – I was finishing up at LSU. Chris had came down there at the camp, and I was actually working the camp. And I remember we took a picture because um, he kind of surprised me. I didn't know he was coming down there. He hit me probably, like, earlier in the day or the night before or something like that. But I saw him out there, and he was working, and, of course – he was doing his thing, but it's just like he wasn't getting it, the oh, who is that kid? Because he was he was this big, but he was still, you know, holding his own against 
you know, all of these, all of these players that they're supposed to be looking at this, you know what I'm saying? So he was out there doing his thing. And, um, and then, so fast forward to, you know, he, he got the fan control of football and I love seeing that. Um, I always love seeing, you know, different twists on football and just guys getting the opportunity to play beyond college or um, professionally. So seeing that, and then when I went up to the CFL and when I was in Toronto, uh, I think, yeah, after my first year in Toronto, he was, um, I want to say he was like working out with the, with the Elks um, or he was at, he was at the camp. He was at the camp. Um, and so he was, I remember he was out there. Um, I was in camp and, you know, I was just texting him back and forth every now and then just you know, like, Hey bro, keep, keep grinding out there. Good luck. All this and that. And, you know, cause we were all busy days full and stuff like that. Um, and then, so we get to the end of the camp. And I ended up getting traded to Edmonton and he was uh, back at home. He, and I had talked to him a few times. Um, and then when I had finally came back home, when I got released, I want to say I got home and that night he came over to my, he came over to my crib and we hung out for a few hours, probably like three, four hours. I'm um, just hanging out the back of the crib. And, you know, he said he was he was talking about his time out there in camp and this and that. And then um, I want to say that next morning we was talking, kind of had some conversations about football and what he wanted to do. And he had, you know, he thought he was going to have a shot in Edmonton during the camp. They liked him, this and that. But, you know, the, the business side or this and that numbers, blah, blah, whatever, you know, the excuses that they give guys. But they wanted to give him a shot. He said he might be bringing them back. And so I hung out with him that night. That next morning, I got back. He hit my phone and said, hey, so-and-so just called me. They want me to come back. And I was so ecstatic to hear that. And I'm like, yo, he finna get his shot. And so he was out there for a few weeks. Um, and then he got out there and he started making plays in the game. And I'm just like, bro, it's literally finally happening. He's finally getting his opportunity to show what he could do, what he's been wanting to do this whole time is just show the, show the, you know, the player that he was and how electric he could be. And um, I really love seeing that. And then when he came back uh, at the end of the season, I want to say he, the day, I want to say it was the day or the day after he had got back, he came over, we kicked it, uh, we chopped it up for a few hours, like this, you know, same old thing, it was just hanging, talking about the team. And this and that, how he enjoyed it. And just, you know, he since he had been back, I was like, bro, all right, cool. Cause I had been home for a little while. I was like, all right, get up with me. You know what I'm saying? Once you, once you get your feedback under you, I know it's long season, this and that. And you know, let's hit the field, this and that. And um, I guess he was home for a few more weeks. And uh it was, you know, coming up on Christmas, man. And it was what probably a week, a week after his birthday. And, you know, I got the news uh, from one of my, my older brothers uh, that coaches in Mississippi. He's coached throughout. He's at Mississippi Valley State right now. Um, but he called me with the news, man, and I was just like, I was just in shock. Like, there's no way that this is, the like, what's going on. I had literally just talked to him 
a few days ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, you know, to hear the news and then to um, follow up, you know, the few weeks after that, the few days after that, and just, uh, you know, just have kind of reality set in. Um, it, it really sucks, man. For real, for real. Just because, you know, uh, there's not a lot of stories where guys, you know, like, don't get a shot um, that are, you know, that that small. They work that hard. Work, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's not a lot of times that, you know, those people work that hard and actually get that shot. I feel like a lot of guys at some point they go, you know, all right, call it quits. You know, all right, this was cool, but I got to do something else. And so, you know, to to finally get it and, you know, see it to fruition and, and just get a little taste and then have it all taken away like that. Uh, it was it was it was really hard to see for real, um, just because I know personally how hard he worked and I know that he was at that at that moment where he was like, I don't know if I really want to do this anymore. And he and he kept going, and I saw him get it. So it it really hurt because I I really wish I could you know still see him out there living out his dreams. Yeah, definitely. It's um something that you know is is it's never an easy thing. But I think you can pillow your head at night knowing that the guy went out working as hard as he possibly could, and, and it was right there. It was just Absolutely right earned it, but um. Uh, Jalen, before we let you bounce, man, we got to play a game. It's called this. Okay, or that. Yeah. You said it's called what? This or that. Okay. Yeah, I like very this. simple. I like, it. I like it. Give you two options. You choose one option or the other. Can't say okay. both. Can't say neither. Just just pick whichever one speaks to you. Okay. Okay. All right. Easy question. Bacon or sausage? Bacon. Sure. Yeah. Bacon, egg, and cheese. You know. Absolutely. Love it. What team, when you were at LSU, which team did you dislike more, Alabama or Florida? Alabama, easy. Really? It's, it's just yeah. that easy? Was it yeah. because of them and Saban and just the wins or was it? Yeah, no, nah, I feel like it was, it was the fact that they were our best competition. Like, you know, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, they hate each other. It's like in state, like, okay, cool, that's cute and all, but like we hate each other because we the best. So I guess that's that's what that was. Are you a plan ahead guy or are you a live in the moment guy? Oh, in the moment, for sure. In the moment. What environment is harder to play? Tuscaloosa in college or the Superdome in the NFL? Shit, the Superdome, the Superdome for sure. I like as far as stadiums go in SEC. Bama's got a big stadium; it's nice, but it don't it don't be like that in there. The atmosphere does not be like that. It really don't. The Bama fans, when I was there, it was like they didn't even care anymore. They knew they was going to win. Like, like, it's still like be, that, right? They don't be into the game. So. It, it ain't it ain't like a, a New Orleans crowd that's been drinking oh, for hours on absolutely end. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And don't let them and don't let like when I was when I was there playing in Atlanta, the New Orleans teams, they weren't they weren't really good. So it wasn't really like 
any crazy, you know what I'm saying? Like the teams weren't going crazy. They wasn't making it to the playoffs and having playoff runs and stuff like that. So the team, I can talk more about that. That's blasphemy. That's like the only couple years we weren't good, man. Let's talk 2018. (laughs) And as long as we don't bring up the Marshawn Lynch game, we could, well, I'll I'll live. And then the New Orleans no call, we'll be all right. Taste the rainbow. Oh, man. That's tough. That's tough. Jalen, if you were left on an island and you could pick to be by yourself or with your worst enemy, which would you choose? Damn. By myself or my worst enemy? I would probably have to pick my worst enemy. Just because I'm like a competitor. You know, so I know if I'm on this island by myself, I'm going to be chilling. Like, I'm not really. But if he on the island too, I'm going to be my best self, you know what I'm saying? Because I got to outdo whoever, you know what I'm saying? I got you. That might yeah. be the best answer we've had to that question, Dave. But look, I, li- listen, I can't have him on the island and his shit better than mine. I got to have <laughs> the five-star hut, palm trees. Ain't going to be no Wilson. It's going to be Wanda, you know what I'm saying? A, like, a whole, you feel me? Like, come on now. I got to get right. I got you. He had three coconuts. You're going to have five for sure. I'm going to have 12. Come on now. (laughs) Would you rather own a private jet or a massive yacht? A jet. We don't, we don't, we don't play with the ocean. The ocean is scary. (laughs) What do you mean? What do you mean when you say we don't play with the ocean? Uh, Humans. We shouldn't play with the ocean. I agree. I (laughs) just got back from the beach. And every time my kids started going out into the water, I'm like, well, all right, y'all. Y'all ain't never fucking watched Jaws, I guess. Hey, I look, I was at the beach, uh, what was it, a week and a half ago for the bachelor trip. We was in St. Pete. And my boy, we used to go, we, we would go out there at night, you know what I'm saying? Because it's, it's chill out there. The weather's cool. Just listen to the waves. He would go out in the water. I'm like, hell no. You 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 really bugging? He out there floating. I'm like, nah. They snatch your ass up. I I can't even call the police because you're gonna be dead by then. Would you would you rather spend an hour in a walk-in freezer or two hours in a sauna? Damn. Damn. Sauna. I'm I'm bringing water. I'm bringing water. Gotcha. Two hours. If I'm in the freezer, there's a, there's a, a chance that I might lose some of my uh, my appendages. You know what I'm saying? They might freeze off. All right. So in the sauna, you get to keep everything. You get a little little water. I'll be dehydrated. I, it's okay. <laughs> I'll be dehydrated. I ain't gonna lose no toes or nothing like that. True. All right. Last question, Jalen. Would you rather win a million dollars, but you can? can't spend it on yourself you can only spend it on other people or would you rather be given a hundred thousand dollars and you can only spend it on yourself so a million dollars only spend it on other people right 100k only spend it on yourself i'm i'm taking a million for sure we're about to have a time you feel me (laughs) the the thing is him and him and austin are the the they have, guys, they, yeah, they've been yeah. eight million. A lot of these guys that we asked this ain't ever had a million to say that answer to. Well, see, see, I, I'll take it like this you get a, you get a hundred K, that's gonna be gone really fast. And 
100K for yourself. I mean, I guess that's cool. But if you got a million dollars, you know how many trips you can go on with your homies? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know how many fun nights you can have out in Vegas or out of the country? or You know what I'm saying? Y'all could do whatever. You could buy the gang cars. And you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, you probably didn't get a car, but like everybody you else said, got one. Jalen, you said you was in Vegas, right? You, do you gamble? Like you, you get oh, on the cars? Uh, no, I mean, I, I'm not really a gambler. I'm really like a try to fool type of guy, you know? How fast do you think you if you how fast you think you go through a hundred grand in Vegas though? Oh, in Vegas? Yeah. Oh, it'd probably be like a day. I, I, I agree. <laughs> like what? there's a lot to get into. Maybe less than that. If the, stay, if, if the table stakes were right, probably about ten well, minutes. Well, since I could I, well, go to Vegas. I, Go ahead. Spend hundred grand, and I would not even gamble, not one time. Well, since no. I since I gamble, Hell and I've no. been to Vegas seven times, and I've won six or seven. I'm coming out with more money, so boom. I don't care about that. Gambling is not fun to me. Well, you know what is fun? The people watching and all the activities you can do in Vegas. Especially, I spent about six, seven years as a single guy, and I went to Vegas a lot. Shit, old Vegas is where it's at, man. I hear you. I hear you. All right, Jalen, man, we're going to let you bounce. But before you, you get out of here, man, anything you want to plug or promote? Um, plug or promote, really, just just the pod, man. Everybody tap into the Raw Room Sports. And that shirt is podcast. as tight as it gets. Me and Darren. Uh, I do got, hold on, I got another one right here. This is uh, this new design right here. This exclusive. New design uh-huh. right here. This kind of uh, this, no. this is the, the front of the T right here. Got a little little logo. But uh, yeah, man, the raw room on uh, YouTube. We about to hit uh, 200k subscribers. Hopefully, we've hit it. I think we were like 17 away not too long ago. But yeah, yeah man, I, I think you're there, man. I think yeah, y'all, y'all go check us, check us out. In uh, oh wait, oh, 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 no, close Sorry, I'm trying to. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, y'all go check us out, man. Show us some love. I thought that was Daniel messing with his uh, soundboard, Randy. I was like, what's he doing? <laughs> I, I, I pulled up YouTube and had a video playing. <laughs> My I got the, the 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 cheap YouTube. I have the, the ads. Oh, I got the ads, too. I ain't paying for that. Come on now. Come on, All right. Jalen, man, if anybody wants to, to look you up, man, IG, jcar underscore 32, Twitter, yes, jcar underscore 11, and everybody. Head on over to YouTube at raw underscore room. And yes, while you're at it, check out at in off the bench. You, you'll yeah. see, see Jalen up there tonight. We'll get them posted. We'll get it edited. We'll get it all out there. The content will be there. Jalen, man, we wish you nothing but the best, dude. Thanks for Hey, I, I appreciate you guys having me. It's been a great time. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily talk about my story a lot, but I appreciate y'all, you know, bringing up some things that I hadn't talked about before. And it's, it's nice uh, reminiscing. I appreciate y'all. Absolutely. That's Jalen Collins, everybody. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we got to talk headlines from this past week. Have you heard about the guys over at Chinook Seedery? They are the only sunflower seed company that has taken the time to connect with college athletes and trying to help them build their brand. They have eight flavors from mild to wild with way less salt and no sandpaper tone. So check them out today over at ChinookSeedery.com. Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you. Obviously, this week has been crazy. It started a little bit last week, and it's kind of bled into this week with conference realignment. 
obviously, Randy, this is all about money, man. It's all about money. And I don't know. I don't think it does anything personally for your team or Jim's team, but for my team, we're pretty much screwed in so many words. Unfortunately, that's true. So I'll ask you, man, like initial reactions with all of this going on, is there anything that's surprising to you or is there anything that we should be worried about or just where does this end? When does this end? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things to be worried about. You think about the the Pac-12 essentially isn't going to be a conference anymore. Uh, the Rose Bowl goes away. That's pageantry. That's tradition. Maybe they'll keep it in some form or fashion, but it won't be what it was, the Pac-12, the Big Ten. And also the biggest thing for me, uh, and, and we'll get into this too, but the, the regional matchups, like that hatred that becomes born, you know, uh, that that kind of goes away. You got USC playing Ohio State, and that's supposed to be a rivalry game now. I, I don't – it's hard. You can't – that's what they're missing. The nuances of college football I'm, – I'm specifically talking football right now. That that stuff, you don't create that. That stuff is born that way. You're, you're born, if you're an Auburn fan, to hate Alabama and, and vice versa. You know, Tennessee, Florida, like that stuff was made over years and decades of time, and now it's, it's just going away. All for the sake – so rich executives and TV people can make millions and millions and billions of dollars, and they're not. It's not about the athletes, and that that's my biggest gripe. And you got you got Memphis and Tennessee as an example. Like they're not going to play, but the hatred that's there amongst the fan base. But then if you magnify it, like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, you're not going to have that again. Yeah. You know, it's it's crazy to me that we're going to have conferences that are like, they're not regional. It's just kind of a hodgepodge of teams from all over. Just throw a dart at a map of the U S and you know, you'll find some teams and they could be in the same conference together. It's crazy. You got Stanford talking about going to the ACC. What, what, and what planet does that make? Number one, financial sense or logistical sense for the athletes to have to do it. It doesn't. That's that's the whole reason why a school like Hawaii struggles because they're either playing all away games or they become like this, this destination place where people just want a, a nice little non-conference getaway. But the time zone and the time change, it just makes everything logistically a nightmare to get there. And Jim, when you talk about magnifying that amongst sports like basketball, where you're playing a couple nights a week, like, how do you logistically map and travel and expense all of those different sports that are having to do that? They were talking about that um, on the radio yesterday, and it, it's really ridiculous. They were talking about how teams would have to, um, you know, go on commercial flights together, different teams, riding two places, find ways to financially make these things possible or to, you know, geographically make things easier. And that just, I mean, the whole thought of that sounds ridiculous. And, and I just want to touch on the PAC 12 thing. It, it genuinely makes me sad as, as us being SEC guys, but um, you know, Randy talks about the history and the pageantry, you know, just 
you know, thinking about everything the Pac-12 has has been, and obviously the the last X amount of years, right, it hasn't been what it was. But when we were growing up, man, especially, you know, USC and the organs of the world, like, you know, such a big deal. And so just to see that conference no longer be, man, it, it genuinely makes me sad. And and Randy, I know you're more on the social media than, than Daniel is. You know, they showed what the Power Five looked like in 2010. And yeah. I looked at it and I thought, I just want it back. No, I, I agree. I, I loved how it was shaped. I haven't seen that graphic, but I'll go check it out. But the one you talked about basketball playing a couple of games games a week, and obviously our, our show primarily focused on college baseball. When you're talking about playing series midweeks, all this other stuff, those 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 conference matchups where again you're going to play all weekend long. Stanford going to you know, Florida State, if they stay in the ACC or, I mean, I understand, like, Texas and Oklahoma, a little bit of a stretch. UCLA going to Penn State? Yeah. I, well, I just, it, come on. And, he, and here's where I wanted to to bring up something. Um, I studied thoroughly into this because we're a podcast that covers all college sports. So, for instance, and I, I know, like, for instance, Daniel would know right off the top that, like, Utah in – um gymnastics is a powerhouse and then like ucla won the national championship in soccer um these other sports so these are now teams that are without uh a power five conference and they're they're winning national championship programs and they're going to have to find a space because as y'all know winning national championships in those sports does not bring in revenue it's football that covers that and so now you have to find yourself going to a school that can cover that and the emphasis they put on it for those sports is, you know, you're no longer maybe a student athlete. The words have been reversed. You're an athlete student because you now have to prioritize the athletic side of it versus choosing schools for your, for your academic side. You bring up a great point. And I want to bring up one more point too. These sports like softball that we love, even baseball in most cases is not a revenue producing sport. LSU's in a different, that's a whole different animal, but how the, so they'll lose a little bit of money because the travel is pretty regional and you could you know bust some places. How long is a school going to lose money in the millions of dollars? Because if you got to put thirty guys on a plane, fly them across the country to go play, or thirty ladies on a plane, fly them across the country, they're not going to keep hemorrhaging money. Because let me tell you about one more thing: the TV contracts, boys. They're going to have to go down at some point because you know what's happening. They're cutting cable. ESPN's laying people off. The money is not infinite. Yeah, and what what I don't understand is why why can't they just be their own separate entity, just football only, just football. That's, that's something that they've talked about. Actually, coming up with positions to have um, people that are the head over specifically just football, and then the other sports. I I, I know Chip Kelly. I was listening to something today. Chip Kelly alluded to the fact that football could do that at an easier clip because you're talking about we're going to fly in and we're going to fly out after the game and it's one game. It's not during the week. We can get there the, the night before, the day before. You stay, you play, you hop on the plane, and you go back home. Like it's it's a pretty – it's not easy, but like it's it's relatively easy for that logistically than it is for all the other sports and having to manage it. Um, my question to you is in the event that that happened, that does that take away from college athletics? Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. 
because I mean, you're when you talk about LSU or Tennessee or whatever, that's not they're not only talking about the football team, right? That's this as a whole, what they are, what they mean to the SEC. It's part of the NCAA and then the bowl games. Now we know the college football playoff is not part of the NCAA. Well, I don't know if everybody knows that, but I know we do. Um, so you have some separate parts of it, but if you start segmenting those away, how long is it going to be before those football teams are like, okay, if we're in our own thing, then why are we having to make up the deltas for these other non-revenue generating sports? We're doing our own thing. Yeah. I think I read something interesting about a, a scenario that you could do and Jim, you would probably be more familiar with this because it's like European soccer leagues where you have multiple tiers of football teams and you can win your way into like the power five tier or, you know, the college football playoff tier. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can, you know, be in the top tier and then get relegated down a level. Like, I don't know if that, to me, that's something that seems interesting. I just don't know what the, how that would actually work or if it's. I, I don't either. And you'd have to have, in order to be in that tier, I mean, you'd have to have a model of consistency, right? And we know programs go through their up and down, their rebuilding, coaching changes, all that. So I don't know how you'd be able to do that. I, I don't know, man. The whole thing is just, and it's because we look at a big picture, right? If we were just football guys, you know, maybe it all, doesn't bother us. It makes sense, you know, but being, you know, obviously Randy's diehard into softball. I watch soccer with my daughter. We all watch baseball. Me and you watch gymnastics. We know the effects it has on everything as a whole. And it's just, it's really going to make things difficult and change. Um, I thought it was best said uh, the college experience as a whole, man, just in, in general and the way that these athletes coming out of high school choose their destination. And that's why I said something about the athlete. You're all, almost looking at it you know you know as somebody who's looking with my daughter right now um obviously she's not on the level of a lot of these schools we're talking about but like you're now having to look at it based upon you know conference and what the future is right it's not like i was always going to go here but like you know for instance ucla but now like will i because ucla doesn't even know where they're going well just think of how many guys we talk to that go to you know that might live in mississippi and they might be a great player and they could go to Mississippi state, but they choose to go to Alabama or Georgia. And it's a place where their parents can go every game legitimately drive there and watch their kid play. Now, if you're saying you're traveling, you know, from, you know, Oklahoma to California or California, like Randy said, like UCLA to fucking Penn state, like, you're not making that drive. I mean, think about this. What, what What's the venue I've told you I want to go to in college baseball as I'm going to all these different ones, but I haven't gone. I haven't gone down to Texas A&M because it's a drive. And so to your point, when you add in like Austin, like I'm not going to Austin either. Like, and so, and that's just Texas. We're not talking California, right? So yeah. So like when you can't just drive and you're the families of these players and everything, like, yeah, like you can't just make a drive at, Hey, we're going to leave on, you know, on Friday night to go watch them on Saturday. Like it's just not there anymore. You got to, you know, flip out the money for the flights and everything. It, it, it just changes everything. Do you think Randy and I was wondering about this because I heard this on radio and it got me thinking maybe not in our lifetime, 
but at some point to me like youth football participation is going down so wouldn't it make sense that at some point college football or even pro football is going to be less desirable logically that does make sense but when you look at the numbers just from the money standpoint it'll be a long long time db because the num they dwarf like you could put the NFL just one Cowboys game, and it dwarfs every other TV. the 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 viewership is just out of this world. I mean, you could talk about World Series Game Seven; it doesn't hit on a Cowboys regular season game. Well, Randy, the reason we also know viewership won't go away is it's two parts that both kind of going the same, but it's on the gambling aspect, right? So it's the people gambling on the games or the people playing fantasy. Like True. those numbers, those numbers ain't dwarfing and- so. And that's if you think I'm glad you brought that point up. Great point. You know, years ago, whenever we were coming up, gambling was like happening, but the NFL really stayed away from it. What have both now embraced it, have them as sponsors and DraftKings and FanDuel and all this other stuff. So they're going to get theirs, right? These greedy dudes are no different than college realignment, right? They're about them. Absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm on the fence about Memphis. I just I don't know what where where they are in this whole process, or if I even should even worry about it. You know, I I feel like I should. Like I feel like the past ten to twelve years of football have been this resurgence of like building something from back up, and I would hate for them to lose that. Um, I enjoy watching Tiger football and enjoy being a fan of Tiger football. Um, so I, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know where they belong and I don't know if I should even worry about it. I think we can't worry about it. I think we should can Missouri and bring Memphis in. I said what I said. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if I want to go that route. (laughs) I think you gotta, you know, I think that you just gotta stay ready. I think that if you, and some of this is self-reflection. If you look back when they should have really been vying for this, they were not investing in football. I mean, when R.C. Johnson Tommy was West, doing his thing, Tommy West, he said it, got fired. I I think because of how he felt about that whole feeling that university had towards football. University of Memphis fans or any football fans that's not a Power Five or Power Four or whatever they are now. If you ever want to know the cold, hard truth and somebody that's never kept it more real, Tommy West exit interview, why they even gave him an exit interview when they knew he was that mad really shows you the ineptitude of that athletic department at the time when it came to football because they had John Calipari, who also was sucking the life out of every other sport. But that's a story for another day. That dude kept it as real as real gets, DB. I was there. Ooh, there. He was like, ooh, this this dude's that's the moment that you tell your kids. Let me tell you this story. When keeping it real went right. <laughs> well actually he never got another head coaching job, so did it really go right? <laughs> Jim, I'll I'll ask you, man, and then we'll get off this. Is there any more ex- changes that you would expect when it comes to this realignment? Yeah, I mean, it's the schools that we were talking about, right? Like, I mean uh, I, and and this is where it gets really odd regionally. Those leftover Pac-12 teams, I imagine, are going to be vi- vying for ACC spots. Like, 
and that couldn't be more weird your west coast with your east coast team so i mean it's not done because they got to go somewhere they they can't just be left out in limbo and so um yeah it's it's not done yet it's going to probably get weirder and then even not even just this year but you know there's been talks um you know rumblings over the last year about the sec making a move to go into a full 20 at some point um you know and there's a lot of people who firmly believe that obviously you know there's only 16 teams there so it's that would mean four more coming from somewhere. But you know what's you know what's hilarious to me? It's like if you are the ACC and you go and you get a team that's not on the Atlantic coast. <laughs> How are you the Big Ten? That too. I mean, you got How are 14, you the Big teams. 12? Yeah. You're 14 and 16 teams and you're, you're, you're not even close to what your number is, but um, – yeah, I, I don't know how things are going to shake out. You know, you got Florida State out there testing the waters to see what what they can I come I love up their with. idea, by the way. What's that? They're, they're toying around with the idea of being backed by a hedge fund. So, essentially, they are going to be independent. And if you guys have ever watched the show Billions, and my man's a hedge fund, and it's – but this risk, but I love it because they're thinking outside the box. That is the thing that Memphis is going to have to do. Throw something out there. Hey, go to, go to Fred Smith and say, Fred, you're the most successful businessman this city has ever seen. What would you do if this was your business? Pitt Hyde, you run the biggest auto parts store in the world. What would you do? And those conversations are probably happening, but why are we constantly getting left at the altar? Jeff Calkins just retweeted an, uh, an article he wrote a couple years ago, is race a factor? I'm not going to go as far to say that race is a fa- is the factor because I don't know. I can't speak to that. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a middle-aged white dude. I don't know. But what I will say is I think that the city's reputation hurts them from getting into these conferences. I was going to say I think perception is because the people that are making the decision on whether to include Memphis in talks – they weren't down on Beale Street during during game day. They sure weren't. And you can't convince me that that the city of Memphis is any less passionate about about sports when when they matter than anybody else in the country. No, just give them the same weapon. Give them the same size stick that all the rest of them have. We'll leave it at that, but you know we'll, we'll transition over to some NFL. Obviously, Randy, NFL is right around the corner. We got fantasy drafts that are getting ready to kick off here in a couple weeks. We got you know the the kickoff coming in a few weeks. But I got to know about your Colts, man. I, I heard you use the word trash earlier in this episode, and, and followed by Colts. But I don't know how do you really feel about the Colts this season. Well, they're not in a win-now place. I mean, you got a rookie quarterback who struggled through college with a lot of progressions. Um, Fantastic upside. Um, You still got some talent, uh, but you don't have Jonathan Taylor, who has been the all-NFL back pro bowler, all that other stuff. He's now left camp uh, in a public fight with Jim Ursay, um, similar to your Cowboys with Zach Martin, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But – they're just, I mean, they're 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 three, two to three years away. And the NFL, that's eternity. It's eternity. I don't I don't see a path. Now, the one positive is that this division sucks. 
it's probably the worst division in the NFL, maybe by far. So and maybe the they Saints get a chance. got them on the schedule. I'm so excited about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that should pick up, you know, some some wins. I'm not convinced the Saints are that good, but they're better than all the teams in this division. Jim, you mentioned the Saints. They got the they got the Colts. I mean, obviously you you got you know, Camaris has got a three game suspension, which basically they said, "Hold out your wrist, son." They just said. Well, no. and I and I could not be more surprised because of how much Goodell hates the Saints. And obviously, we talked with Jalen about it. It's crazy that he did what he did and only got three games, like Randy said. I mean, the whole crew jumped him, whatever. And so it's uh, it's really surprising, man. Especially the way things go for the Saints. Um, Randy texts me immediately when it happens. A huge win for the Saints, and he's definitely right. Um, but I'm not just stressed about it because. Um, Jamal Williams is was a huge pickup, um, and he's looked great. I have a question though, and I want I'm gonna direct it towards you, Randy. You always kind of seem to be in the know in these kind of things. Explain to me. Very rarely do we see mistakes like this made. Literally, um, by reputable sources, Kareem Hunt was a saint. He was signing the papers and everything. And then they backpedaled and said he got a call from his agent before he inked the deal that he was going to the Colts because um, they were possibly offering more money. How do like they already report he's a saint and make this mistake? Because that's usually something these NFL reporters don't mess up. I agree. I think that you could have had some 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 of that back channel negotiating going on, and that's the thing about it in the NFL or in the NBA too. These agents are working deals the players don't even know about. Like Kareem Hunt might have really thought he was a saint. If you go to ESPN.com and click him right now, it's got the Saints logo next to him. It's actually something that uh, they were talking about on Twitter today. They need to fix that because, it. I mean, it sounds like he's going to be a cult. Um, Kareem, my brother. <laughs> my brother in Christ. Don't don't go to the Colts, man. Don't, don't waste <laughs> your prime years here. And and here was the thing. So it was asked how would he and then um, – all of a sudden, it's my mind blank on the uh, the stud uh, rookie that we got um, in the backfield. But um, so when Kamara comes back, you would have him, Jamal Williams, Hunt, um, and so you'd have four guys. But what we know, Randy, is people are like, "How's that work? You split, you could split out Kareem and Kamara and let them do work. That offense would be would be potent." So obviously, we signed Jimmy Graham. We know Jimmy Graham is a product of Sean Payton's system. So. I'm excited because he was my guy, but do I think he moves the needle at all? No. Um, I bet he catches some touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, you throw him some jump balls, but you know what I'm saying. We talked yeah. about Sean Payton made him better because once he went to two other teams, he did absolutely nothing. Um, huge, huge deal signing Cam Jordan um, long-term. Um, something that me and you, all three of us, never thought would happen because we thought the Saints would start offloading some of these defensive guys because – they're always against the cap, but they decide not to, which is interesting that you were talking about money and running backs earlier, uh, guys, because Kamara made comments in his interview that he wants to be a saint for life and he wants one of those Cameron Jordan deals. But what we know is that'll never happen because running backs are dime a dozen. And once they get old and beat up on it. as a matter of fact, on the radio today, let me ask you this, Daniel, is it foul to be said? Um, it was on the morning show. I don't even know who said it. It was the NFL analyst, but he said, it was, I w- was it? Yeah. I would draft a running back, run his ass to the ground for draft three another years, one. and then draft another one. Is that harsh to say, Daniel? No. I mean, I think, I think, I know it wasn't to you, Randy. That's I, what think I, behind clo- I think behind closed doors, that's talked about. 
Except like, for Jerry Jones because, because they, he paid Zeke. Because they started talking about it outside of Derrick Henry. Basically, every guy has declined after that first contract. I mean, but I mean, Derrick Henry really didn't get. Did he get his worth? I mean, I, no. But they really? they brought up they brought up one of your Cowboys, Daniel. But Demarco, they, Mur- Demarco Murray had four hundred touches the year that he dominated, and then he was never the same afterward. No, I think Tony Pollard's going to experience a little bit of that. So that that's the point. Get you a back, give give him all that work, and then like Randy said, you just you just bring in a new one. You just consistently roll them out. Um, and it, to be effective, I mean, you're going to have to touch the ball a lot and you have to take a lot of hits. So it's just kind of one of those things. It is what it is. I don't think it's foul um, because we know that the NFL is a business. I knew what you would think, Randy. I was just curious, uh, you know, D- Daniel's moral standard on it, on just running, basically beating the hell out of guys. I'm sure Alan Irvin would have a, have an opinion for his guys. But um, as far as the Saints as a whole, man, I've watched the videos. Um, Michael Thomas – looking healthy, looking great. Um, the offensive weapons, we have Chris Olave coming in his second year. Um, you know, Callaway, you, you have a, a deep receiving core. Derek Carr is, to me, an upgrade um, from from Winston Dalton or anybody else in between. You get to use Taysom as the wild card. Um, and like I said, that defense is pretty, is pretty stacked. So I actually have pretty good aspirations for this team. I'm not saying they're going to the Super Bowl, but when you look at the South – um, it would be an epic failure to not win the NFC South. And then, like, to Randy's point, playing AFC South games, you know, it's not guaranteed you win them all. But if you say you take three out of four of those, I mean, should be in great position. So I expect to see this team uh, as a playoff contender. Um, I don't know past that. I got to see. The one good thing is um, you don't have the the Bills, Bengals, and Chiefs in, in the NFC. So that's always a plus. Yeah, for sure. I think the – you know, Randy, you, you said you think – that the Colts division is going to be the weakest in, in football. I think Saints and the Bucks could be there too. Like I, I don't, I don't see that division being. I mean, that if you look at the starting quarterbacks in the NFC South, like I mean, Derek Carr to be astronomically better than the other three is wild. I mean, you're looking at Baker Mayfield as a starting quarterback right now for the Bucks. Desmond well, Ritter. I was, I was, re, I was re, uh, listening today on the same thing. They said that Kyle Trask right now is neck and neck. With Baker he, Mayfield. He is, but like they're gonna start Baker. I hear what you're saying. But if that scares me if I'm a Bucks fan, if Kyle Trask is more suited to lead this offense than a guy than a veteran like Baker Mayfield, because we've all seen the talent and when like look last year, Baker still got the, magic. Yeah, but here's the difference, I think, is Baker Mayfield ain't sitting behind Tom Brady prior to this season. You know, that's that's the difference. And so I'm not saying that that sitting behind him and, and, and it's going to make the biggest difference in the world, but I mean, he had to learn something, right? Who did Baker Mayfield – who did he go play for last year? Was it the Chargers? Who did he go play for? Raiders? No. no um, Carolina. No, but he went – like he went out to the West Coast for, a, I thought, at the, the end of the season, and he won a game. I can't remember who it was against, but I, anyway – I think Baker's him, got him, 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 and him and Johnny. Ironically, that documentary, the Rams, they fall in the same. Yes, it was the Rams. That's right. They kind of obviously not because of you know Johnny and Manziel shenanigans, but as far as like they did huge things in college and then got to pro and it just they ain't doing the same thing. They kind of fall in that same category. Well, Baker's still there. 
Well, Johnny has a lot of issues. Yeah. I need to watch that documentary. I just know LSU was Twitter was blowing up today because they left both times he played LSU off because they got worked both times, which really spoke to obviously, and we're talking NFL, but um, how bad um, that offense was to have the number one defense in the SEC back to back years and struggle the way they did. Oof. I didn't bring it up to him on purpose because I didn't really want to like throw Brandon Harris and Les Miles under the bus, but it is what it is. I did. Yeah. Well, off air. <laughs> I guess I can talk Cowboys. I'll be honest, guys. It's on my end. I've been really quiet about the Cowboys. I haven't really. There's there's some things out there, but nothing like nothing I haven't heard before. Nothing that's too crazy. You brought up something, Randy, with. Zach Martin, you know, holding out. I mean, he's an offensive lineman. He's a great offensive lineman and and not having him hurts, but I don't think it's the make or break um, scenario. I think Dak Prescott throwing interceptions in practice is the make or break scenario. And, you know, but I will say he's the secondary that he's going up against every day in practice is going to be way better than most secondaries he's going to see on it. I think the the defense as a whole is going to be legit, but the guy that I was reading up on, they say Van Der Esch looks amazing. It's good. I mean, it's it's it, he's just got to stay healthy, man. I mean, and that, that's been the M.O. for the linebacking core, you know, and Micah Parsons can't do it all um, because they got him as, you know, moving on a, as a down lineman you know, and then they have them standing up in the back. And then, you know, if Van Der Esch is, is hurt, then it just, it just really caps you on what you can do. Um, and then you force Michael Parsons to be the guy that's all over the field. But the secondary is better. And so hopefully that takes care of itself. But, yeah, I think hopefully the, the, the Dak Pres- Prescott issues at practice that I'm reading about is simply because the defense that he's going up against every day is is better. You know what I think? Can I pose he... something to you though? Sure. You said that the Zach Martin thing is like not a huge deal. I mean, but listen, your number one rival has probably the best defensive line in the NFL. In the Eagles, I think it's. You, a... I mean, you plan on running the ball a lot with Pollard, so you need your offensive line. No, yeah, I, but you I, can't I, I, protect. Dak from the Eagles defensive line. I mean, it's that's tough. That I mean, I, I'm gonna tell you, Daniel, I hate to use a video game, but I play with the Cowboys on Madden a lot, and I run behind Zach Martin every play on purpose. He's so good, man. He really is. I, I hear what you're saying because, like, offensive still, line, I, I just don't want it's not that, it's just I don't want to put it's not the quarterback, you know, it's I don't want to put the season on one guy, especially if they're an offensive lineman. Like to me, like if you're, if you're going to say, well, you're not a playoff team or you're not a Super Bowl contending team because of one offensive lineman, that's, that's hard for me to to buy into. You want to, you want to blame it on the quarterback? Sure. I a hundred percent, I can get on board with. I mean, look at the year the chiefs didn't get it done. It was because the offensive line couldn't protect Mahomes. But you got a guy named Joe Burrow who's can figure it out pretty well. That's because he's well, the greatest player can, ever. Can he though? Injuries are starting to pile up. No, he's gonna he's gonna be fine. I, I'm ready for this next part because I really got a Joe Burrow thing that I need to talk about. 
Well, let's go there. Top, you know, top 10 players were voted on by the NFL players themselves. You got Mahomes at number one, Justin Jefferson at number two, Jalen Hurts at number three, Nick Bosa at number four, Travis Kelsey at five, Joe Burrow at six, Tyreek Hill at seven, Josh Allen at eight, Michael Parsons at nine, and Chris Jones at 10. Randy, I'll start with you. Is this popularity contest or is this actually a legit, like, these are the 10 best players? Because to me, it's hard to make this list because it's not really apples to apple comparisons. No, it's not. Obviously, number one, Patrick Mahomes. There's no argument that he's the best. There's, there's, there cannot, there's no legitimate argument. He is the best. Other than that, Justin Jefferson, a stud. Jalen Hurts. Don't care who hates when I say this. The dude's not a top ten player. He's not. That, that was where my, that's my main problem. When when I saw him at three, and I saw uh, Burrow at six, and Josh Allen at eight, I about lost my mind. Josh Allen is is top four. Joe Burrow is probably they're they're both top five. Let's put it to you like that. When I look up Nick Bosa, I mean you, you yes, put the, all those guys in there. I would take Tyreek Hill out. We look, we saw Tyree. He's really fast and he can really do cool things on the field. We saw that when he left the Chiefs, they didn't miss a beat. They won a Super Bowl the year he left, and the Dolphins didn't do shit. I want a difference maker on my team. Travis Kelsey's a difference maker. Patrick Mahomes, difference maker. Justin Jefferson, difference maker. I'm not saying Jalen isn't. What I'm saying is, yes, he plays really well in that offense. He leads that team. He's a leader of men. He's not one of the 10 best players in the league. The fact that Justin Herbert is not on this list. It's trash. Also, let me ask you this, Daniel. Oh, because Dak Prescott was 11 and <laughs> Herbert was 12. Da- Daniel, let me ask you this. Uh, how hard would it be? It wouldn't be hard. I, I guess who would, who would be the first person you pull off? Number 11 coming in was Mr. Aaron Donald. I There's no way that you could say 10 players are better than him. Who's the first person you're pulling off this list to slide Aaron up? Jalen Hurts. Yeah, so I mean, I so, so is it because this is the players voting, right? Because you're talking, about, is are they caught in the moment of last year? It's respect. It's it's respect for what these dudes are doing, I guess. But like, I still, there's no way you can convince me that Tyree kills better than Josh freaking Allen. There's no way you can't. You can't convince me that Tyree kills better than Jamar Chase if you're looking at like, yeah, he was number twenty nine. Correct. I, Chris Jones, I agreed. He definitely top Micah ten. Micah Parsons is definitely top ten. Micah Parsons, Travis definitely. Kelsey. <laughs> we all we all know what Travis Kelsey is like. Yeah, his teammates. You know, he's beating him up. You know, he's doing his thing. He can't well, get Taylor that, Swift's that video, number. That was that video was wild because we sat there and talked about practice fights with Jalen. The one that, that y'all, uh, it was you, Randy message. I mean, yeah. all he did was get like love tapped by a dude, and he just swung a left hook on. Yeah, him. like I, think, I didn't I get think, it. He's still thinking about Taylor Swift rejecting his friendship bracelet. Mm. It got him. No, but I don't – I mean, look, all in all, this top ten, it's not terrible. I would just take Jalen off. I would take Tyreek off. I would slide Aaron Donald in there, and I would absolutely 100% don't care what y'all say, putting Justin Herbert in there. And and to really go off script, but you, because you brought it up, you know my wife showed me a TikTok. You know who did get a friendship bracelet from Taylor Swift? Channing Tatum. Well, as he should. I mean, as he should. <laughs> as he should. Sorry. Sorry, Kelsey. Choreograph the, the heiress tour. <laughs> there you go. That's what you get when you do that. All right, guys. Last call. Randy, I'll start with you, man. What you got? Speaking I this was not going to be my last call. I actually didn't have one. But shout out. I do not like her music. But Taylor Swift giving the six-figure bonuses to her truck drivers, her production team, 
all that. Shout out T Swift. I might even be a T. No, no, I'm still not gonna listen to her music. But shout Whatever. out Drake. Drake ain't doing that these days. All he's doing is canceling concerts. Cancel. Hey Drake, when you listen to this podcast, give us back our key to this city. Mm. Yeah. Mm. All right. For me, I I mentioned it to you. CrossFit CrossFit Games for this past weekend. You got a two winners that aren't from the U.S. It's amazing. Uh, the guys winner Jeffrey Adler from Canada and the women's winner Laura Horvath from Hungary. So it's uh, it's a new new era in the CrossFit world. Uh, Two time champ Justin Medeiros uh, got you know dethroned and. Six-time champ Tia Claire Toomey didn't enter because she was pregnant. So, you know, she might be back with a vengeance next year. Who knows? Jim, what you got? Man, I'm going to do my best. I've been trying to keep up with all these. But uh, Dylan Cruz moves up, hits a grand slam. Trey Morgan just got called up to Charleston River Dogs. Brock Wilkin has already been called up to high A. He hit a bomb out of the stadium today. Cheese is playing double A. He had 10 Ks today. Um, Tim Elko is called up to the double A Barons after leading all of minor league baseball and home runs. These dudes that we interview, these college guys, college baseball is our bread butter. Um, obviously brought up Trey Lipscomb the other day. He has not stopped. He had back to back four for five games. Um, our guests are absolutely killing it. They're all moving up the ranks. Um, and I love to see it. Man, it's just a matter of time before I turn on ESPN Sunday night baseball. Bam, we're gonna see somebody. I, th- I think I really think it's Trey Lipscomb's our next guest up. I really do. Ben Joyce. Well, well, he's already been up. I'm saying first time up. Staying up. He can be, yeah. Uh, as Daniel explained, AAA is just a waiting area um, to go back up. I mean, that's all Ben's doing. Yeah, AAA is tough because in a lot of situations, you are a guy like you're playing behind. You're playing a position that in the big club, there's a guy that ain't going nowhere. You know, so, you know, it is what it is. But, hey, AAA, you know, if you make it there, man, you're you're a baller for sure. Sure. Um, let me ask this before, before you close it. Since I asked – since I made the prediction, Randy, because um, me and Daniel talked about it on Monday, um, do you think Trey even hits AAA or when the opportunity arises, he just goes straight up? Hmm. I think he's gonna hit triple A just because of the money situation. They're not gonna they're not gonna wanna you know, you got so many days. They're gonna they're always gonna extend those rookie contracts as long as they can. Yeah. But he's balling. Show. All right, guys. Another great episode. I want to thank our guest Jalen Collins for joining us tonight. If you like hearing Jalen's story or you just like hearing us beautiful average Joe's talking X's and O's. Please like and share the podcast on Facebook, retweet us on Twitter, listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, feedback, love, hugs, hearts, thumbs up, all that. We'll take it all. And we'll see everybody on Monday. Monday is a special day. One, your boy's going to be 39 on Monday. I know y'all are ready for that. But two, Jim, we get to talk LSU football. Again. Again. But it's active. Yeah, it's active. We got your boy Greg Brooks Jr. going to be joining us. So we'll get his story. We'll get, you know, 
where they're at right now and kind of get a preview of the LSU football season coming up. But this has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.